0: I really hope you use that as my intro. <laughs> Unfortunately, I wasn't recording. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> All right,
1: but... Okay. All right. Welcome to the show. An even better intro for you is going to be... What's your name again? My name is
0: April Misslin
1: April Misslin. Yeah, we uh, didn't even get to that part, I don't think. I don't know. we point. didn't. This is actually the fastest <laughs> I've gone from meeting someone to interviewing them, so... Yeah, I, I have to say I'm a little bit worried that you're not gonna be very talkative. Not gonna I have to uh, fill the fill the silence. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, so I like to set the ambiance mm-hmm. because you know that's half the fun about meeting people abroad. Mm-hmm. So right now we are at this beautiful open air hostel in Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. We are in Dambulla. Mm-hmm. Okay, make yes. <laughs> sure I keep saying the wrong thing. <laughs> and um, it's run by an Australian. It's called Jungle Vista. And it's like your stereotypical, beautiful backpacker hostel. We've got people getting um, dreadlocks made over in one corner, <laughs> yep. a guitar going in yeah. another. We have uh, a group table full of people behind us just... Having some beers, sharing some stories from the road, which is what this is all about, right?
0: Yeah, that is. We got people upstairs playing ping pong as well.
1: Oh, there's ping pong. Yep, right oh, by the hand. Why are we doing this then?
0: I I don't know. You asked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I uh, I thought for sure this would might be a good conversation because you know we're sitting at uh, team dinner, group mm-hmm. dinner, family dinner, whatever you want to call it, and you know. I'm sitting there eating, and I'm like, all right, no one's talking, so what's I, I'm going to go with my best icebreaker and ask <laughs> everybody, so good. <laughs> how was your day? <laughs> how was everyone's got, day
0: today? <laughs> I got
1: two or three responses, but only one follow-up question. How was yours? Mm-hmm. And it came from you.
0: So. It did, it did. I was like, oh, someone should ask him. I'll ask.
1: <laughs> and just you know, I'm really bad with names, so one more time.
0: April Mislin. April Mislin, mm-hmm. okay. You never told me yours. Oh, yeah,
1: I'm Yvonne. Yvonne, nice I, to Yvonne meet you. when I travel Ivan back in the states so you are also from the United States yes. Tell everybody where you're from
0: I'm from Virginia I was born and raised well, I was born in Norfolk raised in Chesapeake and then started traveling a few years after uni.
1: Now just to clarify mm-hmm. it is not Norfolk. It is? No, it is Norfolk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did some <laughs> events there, and uh, I thought people were swearing at me all the time. Nope, yep,
0: it's Norfolk. That's how we know if you're a local. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love the, I love it when you find out the local way of saying a place, and you can be that guy that's not from there, that sounds local. Yep, so exactly. So when you come back from studying abroad in Spain, you're like, yeah, I studied abroad in Barcelona. Yeah. Everyone yes. thinks you're just annoying. You're like, no, it's
0: Barcelona. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I was interested in talking to you because mm-hmm. you have been on the road for about six years now. Is that that's correct? correct, yes. Okay, so where have you been?
0: Um, Well, I started back years ago. Um, I started in Thailand, um, and I lived and taught English in Thailand for about a year. Um, Then I taught English in Myanmar for a few months back in 2012. Uh, Then I went on to South Korea, uh, stayed a year there. Then I went back to Myanmar for some quick cash. Uh, And then I have been for the past almost three years in Vietnam, in Hanoi, Uh, also Teaching, um, and then of course wherever I'm teaching, I always take time to travel around a bit as well.
1: So, what was your background before you started teaching them? Where you uh, did you have dreams of travel your whole life, or where did this where not did this inspiration come from?
0: Um, I think it was you know you hit that quarter life crisis, and you're like, oh, I've graduated from uni, I'm doing nothing with my degree, I'm not dating anyone serious, what am I doing with my life? So then I was like. What can I do? And when I had graduated uni, my boyfriend at the time had taken me on my first plane ride, and we went to Italy. And then I was like, "Wow, travel's cool." So then, when I hit that quarter-life crisis, I was like, "I want to travel." How can I? Oh, wow! I can just speak English and travel and work, and so looked into it, and that's how I did it. So and how
1: old, are you, how old were you when you took the trip to Italy? I
0: was about oh and. For Italy, I was 22. I just graduated uni. um, And then, so it was a few years, and I didn't actually start traveling on my own until I was 26.
1: Okay, can I ask how old you are now? I'm 32 now. 32, okay. (laughs) I'm always worried asking that question, but it's just so people can relate. No worries. So... I'm backing up for a second here again. Um, did your boyfriend flew you to Italy?
0: Yeah, so it was, um, we had known each other in uni and we had dated my senior year and he would already graduated and he wanted to know what I wanted my graduation gift to be. And I was like, uh, I'd like to just travel somewhere. And one random day he was like, so if you were to travel, where would you want to go? And I was like, Italy. No idea why. It was just Italy. Of and course. Then, yeah, exactly. A few weeks later he was like, so I've been looking into trips to Italy. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this sounds great. I should probably get a passport. So, yeah, so that's how that went down. I know
1: we're about 10 years late. Can we send him the best boyfriend in the world award? Definitely not. He probably doesn't
0: want to hear from you because we broke up before the trip and we proceeded to not get (laughs) back together on the trip.
1: (laughs) But was it one of those awkward things? Like you're sitting next to each other on the
0: plane,
1: you guys had the rooms booked together, or did you guys go your separate ways when you got there?
0: No, uh, we had stayed friends after the breakup, and he had said... Um, you know, I've, I've booked this trip, as you know. Um, I'm getting up to the time where I need to cancel. Do you still want to go? And I said, honestly, you should probably take one of your best friends. But if you want to, I'll go. And he said, well, I bought the trip for you. And I said, okay, as long as you know, this is not us getting back together. And he was <laughs> like, yeah, I completely understand. And there will hmm. be no fooling around. Right. <laughs> um, so I made sure that the most we did was maybe hug once on the trip. So needless to say, after that, he wasn't too happy, and he hasn't really spoken to me since.
1: Calm, cool, and collected. I like that. Did you ever hear about that guy? I think he was in Canada, but he did kind of the same thing. He booked a world around-the-world flights with his girlfriend. They broke up. Maybe it was more than a girlfriend. I don't remember. Yeah. But, you know, like, I don't know how it was back then, but nowadays you can't just give those tickets to someone else. Like, yeah, you have and to. So he had, there was a post, and it went viral, like, he was looking for someone with the exact same name as her.
0: Oh, I wish her so, name had been April Misslin. I would have been all over that. I
1: don't think it was. Oh, I don't man. Think was. But I think that there, there still ended up being maybe like 20 people or so. There was actually a significant amount of girls that had the exact same name oh, that tried contacting him because they were gonna get to go with do you them think this trip? some of those
0: women might have legally changed their name for that you because know, I <laughs> probably would have done that as well that's just strategy
1: though <laughs> exactly
0: right? you can change it back afterwards I think
1: at that point like you should just be the one yeah, to go it's me
0: it's I would have changed my name to a girl's name exactly for that. see there you go <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so you were teaching English mm-hmm. um, how did you decide that that was the route you wanted to take?
0: I did a lot of research on ways to work and travel, and I had heard of like the work away programs, but I wasn't too familiar with them because I had only been out of the country once before, and you know, you hear the horror stories of, it People taking your money or like you show up and there's no place for you to stay or just, you know, we've all seen the movie Taken. So you never really know <laughs> what, what's going to happen. Um, so I just did a bunch of research and it looked like teaching English was the way to go. I actually had a good friend from high school who had actually done. He was the kind of guy who like never leaves his hometown. So when he was like, oh, I'm going to Thailand, everybody was like, w- What? you you're leaving <laughs> um, and so I got in touch with him and asked him how he did it and he uh, told me the program he used which is the program I ended up signing up for as well so of course it eased my parents minds of like well, Ian did it we know his his money didn't get <laughs> stolen and they gave him a job okay we're okay with you doing that so yeah so I signed up applied paid the money went over and yeah just kind of went that from there
1: So your family never traveled. It took one trip, and then you got the travel bug.
0: Yeah, well, I traveled when I was younger, but not internationally. And domestically, it was just up and down the East Coast. My mom has family in New England, so we'd spend, you know, a couple weeks each summer in Massachusetts, but we'd get up there by, you know, two days driving in a car. Not really that kind of fun travel for a young kid. my parents didn't really travel that much. My older sister is in the Coast Guard, so she travels a little bit. Um, so I just never really did any international travel. It never even crossed my mind. And then all of a sudden, I you know took this one plane ride, and I was like, planes are fun. And then I went to Italy, and I was like, ooh, other countries are fun. Let's keep doing it. So yeah.
1: Well, i understand the the travel bug part i don't mm. under, i'm not sure i understand the planes are fun part i i, I don't i don't hate them <laughs> but there's definitely a lot less fun after post 9/11 than they well, were like when true. i used to get the little wings that's true. going yeah. on southwest I, see airlines see i never got
0: that i was never young enough to get that trust me i still want one of those little wings nowadays <laughs> um, no it's just just cuz it was something new and different and it's just i don't know the feeling that you get of just being in the air and I'm very trusting, so I, you know, I'm like, yeah, the pilot definitely knows what he's doing. He's not drunk or not overtired from you know, the last red eye. And then I just, you know, you're just sitting there and read my book, curl up. I know I don't have to do anything, make any decisions until I land somewhere, and then all hell will break loose and I'm in a new country. So, yeah.
1: I love it. For me, it really depends on the circumstances in mm-hmm. the flight. If I have the window seat, if there's, mm-hmm. like, on-flight entertainment, mm-hmm. you know, how big the person is next to me. Yeah, that's very true. Definitely can be a game-changer. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look back at your trip to Italy, mm-hmm. was there a defining moment that made you think, oh my God, Like, I want to do more of this. I want to see more. I want to eat more.
0: I mean, in Italy, you always want to eat more. Um, I don't think there was a defining moment. I think it was more so looking back on it as a whole. Like that whole experience was great. It was also a different travel than I travel now. Like that was like a set tour. Like we were only there for eight days. Um, when we got there, we had already lost our luggage, so I didn't have luggage for a few days. One of the women on the tour that like, gave me clean underwear, and I was like, "Oh my God, I love you, ma'am!" Like I've just met you, <laughs> but thank you. Um, and you know, Penny we sisters. Yeah, right. Um, so we did track our bags down at the airport. Luckily, the day before we, the day we left. Rome... Um, But it was just, I think, the whole experience of seeing the different cultures and meeting great people on the tour and spending all this time with these people. And, you know, they were so important in our lives for that seven days because we spent all those times together. And so now, you know... We'll meet and we'll have this great time here in Jungle Vista. And you guys are so important for my one or two nights here. They move on, but you still have that memory and the feelings. And I, so I think it was just that is, as a whole is what sent me on to the, oh, I can have this experience again and these feelings again. So that's what got me to travel.
1: So, was that a reflection so. that you had when you got home and looked back on it? Or when did.
0: I think it was more along the lines when I was curious about what I wanted to do with my life. Like, I wasn't really. Being fulfilled in like my career um, and the the dating scene, and then I was like looking back and like, well, I really liked that. I liked the people that I met. Um, I liked the experience I was having, and it opened me up to so much more as well, um, to meeting other people, to trying new foods, to just seeing what life is like all over the world. Um, and so I think it was just like, well, let me just try that again. How can I do that? And then once I got into the researching of how to live abroad. What work can you find abroad? And a lot of it was teaching English, and that's what brought me into that. Did so.
1: yeah, were there any specific resources besides your uh, your buddy mm. um, in town? Were there any specific resources that you can recall that kind of helped point you in the right direction?
0: Yes, um, so there's, there's a popular website that I don't use now because I now know where to look specifically for what countries I want to go to. Um, but the website Dave's ESL Cafe very popular it's very good for newcomers as well because it's a lot of like new jobs opening up and if you want to work here we can give you um, training and certification and whatnot um, so that was really popular at first so I could see like what places I could potentially work at um, and then once I you know started teaching abroad then now I know other places to look and how to find jobs differently I still go on there every once in a while but for the most part you kind of know the different job boards for each countries and how to find the right jobs and you meet people that have taught in these countries and can be good contacts for you
1: nice and looking at your path now uh, can you walk us through the path you took in order to get that for that training and get that first job and then also maybe talk about anything that you would have done differently
0: so at the time so as you know I my friend from high school um, had done this program and so he introduced me to it and the program was it was an applica- application program but essentially you just pay and have a phone interview and the phone interview is to make sure you can speak English and then they say okay yeah come on over Um, but so you apply for this program uh, then they call you and you do a quick phone interview it's about five minutes just so they can check your fluency um, ask you a few generic teaching questions and why do you want to teach abroad how do you feel about other cultures Um, and then I think within a week I got an email saying I'd been accepted um, and that was probably six months before my date to leave so then I was like time to quit my job I'm going to tell everybody I'm leaving I'm going to post my status on Facebook I'm going to Thailand. Um, See how many
1: likes I get. (laughs) Exactly. Everybody's going
0: to love this post. And then, uh, so then after that, once, you know, you start tying up all your loose ends, um, you know, calling the bank, don't block my card if, you know, I'm overseas and I'm charging something or going to the ATM. Um, Then when we arrived to Thailand, we got picked up at the airport. Um, And then we checked in the hotel. And then the next day it was like our school, so to speak, was actually in the hotel which was on the beach, so it was very, very lovely. Um, (laughs) What city was this? uh, This was down in Phuket, Phuket, Thailand. Um, And so we had two weeks of in-class instruction. Uh, The first three days was like an intro to Thai culture. They taught us how to count. they also knew we were probably all really jet lagged, so I think they gave us a few days where they weren't actually teaching us. Um, so the Thai culture was nice. It told us like the dos and don'ts because, especially for your first time being in an Asian country, there's a lot of things you need to be aware of. So, you know, showing you know keeping your shoulders and knees covered. Don't pointing your feet at other people. You know, things like that. That you don't know. And so fingers they, fine
1: though, right? No fingers are finger? fine. Yeah, fingers. <laughs> you can
0: you can definitely throw your fingers at anybody you want to. Um, and so then a- after those few days, then we started getting into what is it like to teach people that don't speak your language. Um, so it's a lot of in-class instruction. And then the final week, they prepped us for actual practice teaching. So we'd go to local schools, and we'd actually do maybe, like, 40 minutes of teaching. And, of course, we were all, first time in the classroom, like, sweating <laughs> profusely, and it wasn't because of the Thai heat. Um, and then, you know, all the rest of us were sitting in the back like, ooh, they, she done should have done that. Oh, ooh, he did that really good. Oh, yeah, that student's doing really good. So it was a lot of, like, critiquing each other in a good way. Um, and then after that, uh, they are like, okay, they let you know if you passed, which... kind of hard not to Um, but once you passed then uh, you got an email saying where you were gonna be stationed so you had about a month to travel in Thailand before you got your school which was pretty nice and then once you got your school you just kind of hopped on the bus went to your school someone met you there showed you around the school and then You just kind of started teaching yeah (laughs) and then once you finished the contract um since it was part of the program once you finished the contract of it was about four or five months uh then you actually got the certification uh and then once you got that certification you could do whatever you want go to another country stay at your job up to you really
1: was the that process was it scarier or less scarier than maybe you had imagined or did you have any expectations for it to begin with (laughs) let
0: me think I think it was. I think I was probably scared I wouldn't pass because I was like, "Oh, I haven't been in school for a few years. <laughs> probably going to be a lazy student since it's on the beach. Um, going to be nervous, it would be my first time living abroad or like living away from from the states. So I knew I would have to." Focus on, you know, the school part, but then also, like, the fact of, you know, missing home, my friends and family, and getting used to a different culture and just being somewhere where, you know, I can't have peanut butter whenever I want. (laughs) Um,
1: Well, you could, but you probably have to make it yourself. (laughs) Exactly, yeah, and that's just
0: a process. I tried making ranch myself, and that was a mess. Um, So I think I was more, I think I was just like, well, it's all going to work out. Ian did it. That means it's definitely going to be there. And I was with my, at the time, boyfriend of a t- different boyfriend than Italy. Okay, Yeah, all right. different man. Um, <laughs> my dad was very happy when he decided that uh, he was going to also join me in Thailand. So we went over together um, and did this together. So he was a nice safety for me. Like He definitely helped me getting used to living abroad because he had lived abroad before. Um, I think, yeah, mostly I was just worried that I wasn't going to pass and then I wasn't going to get a job and then I'd have to just go home. <laughs> tail tucked between my legs that was fun (laughs) yeah i was like well tried it i didn't like it guys Mm. yeah
1: no i know um probably after obviously after six years of Mm -hmm. doing this Mm -hmm. um you found other ways of going about this going through the Mm -hmm. process you don't always have to go through a third party Mm -hmm. to find jobs but for a beginner someone who's looking to take the same path would you and yeah i i I like to do things independently but at Mm -hmm. the same time i know like when i started i didn't Mm -hmm. you know so now it's kind of hypocritical for me to say, oh, like, you know, just go out there and, you know, find your own place to study abroad. Don't mm. go, don't pay this company yeah. to, to set everything up for you. But at the same time, looking back, would you have done it differently? Or do you think that it is nice having, especially for a first time person, having that structure, having that, is it worth, is it worth paying for it?
0: I would say yes. Um, and not just for that structure. Um, if you look at it business-wise, uh, some schools do not accept online programs, so they do want that in-course instruction and that practice teaching. So that's one thing that is good um, when you look at it as like actually using your certification. But one of the big things was for me was that it was connecting me with 30 other people doing the exact same thing. We were all going over together, so it was like, hey, here are your new 30 best friends. You're going to be with them for a few weeks, and now you know people in Thailand and people you can reach out to and talk to. So it was a nice little support that we all were going through together. And I think for somebody leaving, especially if it's someone by themselves, It's a very, very comforting feeling knowing that you're in this boat with all these other people. Even if you will be in different cities or different schools, it's nice. It's also, I agree what you say about, you know, I also do like to just find it on my own. But as a first-timer, especially coming from the Western world, you're kind of like, oh, what's really going to happen over there? Like, You kind of want to have an idea, like, things will be safe when you get there. Then after that, you can kind of figure it out. Yeah. So.
1: Were there any unexpected surprises through the company or were they pretty supportive? Because from what I've heard, you know, and I don't know if it's just a difference of managing expectations or overselling you or what, it sounds like sometimes there can be misunderstandings and so I'm curious if you've had a similar experience or...
0: The actual class itself was fine. Um, We kind of were in a unique situation, to put it nicely. Um, so me and my at the time boyfriend and another couple, a girl and a guy, they were just in the class together, not a couple, but we had, it was the four of us. Um, we were told we would be in a school in Bangkok um, because the company that we did this class with uh, uses different agencies, so they were like, this is your agency. So we met with our agent and the agent was like, okay, you're going to be in the school. We went to the school in Bangkok. we signed our contract we had already found a really great apartment with like a rooftop swimming pool so we were like putting down a down payment like we were set we were like this is gonna be fantastic
1: <laughs> you're committed
0: we were like yes this is so good things are going off easy we we have a few more weeks to travel it's great so then we get a an email at like 7 a.m. and oh the contracts are not valid they had hired a new director of the school And she was not approved to hire foreigners, so our contracts were null and void. So they had to find us new contracts. So we're now going from put a deposit for our apartment, we are going to be in Bangkok, we're like, this is great, we're going to be in a city, we'll have access to, you know, Western things to make us settle in a little bit nicer, to now we are 13 hours on a bus east of Bangkok um, in a town, which I mentioned to you already before this, uh, where we were the only foreigners in town. Uh, which meant no one really spoke English. Uh, the furthest place we could have gotten, or the closest place we could have gotten a pizza or a hamburger, was an hour and a half by bus. Um, and for the first time living abroad and being a very social person, it was a little hard.: You died a little inside.: Yeah. <laughs> just a bit. Um, so I escaped to Bangkok a few times to meet up with the girls from the class, and whenever I came back, my boyfriend on time was like, "Oh, this is the girl that I've started dating. Look, you're back." And then I'd be like, "Yes, now it's just the two of us again in this city with nothing. Fantastic. So yeah, so that was something that we dealt with um, that most other people didn't have to deal with. Um, but again, they did promise us job placement. So we did get a job. It just wasn't what we had originally planned. We did get the deposit back on the apartment. Luckily, um, the agency actually paid us back for that. Um, so they definitely took care of us in that aspect because they knew that it had not gone as it had been planned. So that was, we were looking in that aspect, but I've definitely heard stories about other people where they give their money and then nothing. Like it doesn't <laughs> exist or, you know, whatever. So we lucked out with that.
1: How did, looking back, do you, do you, appreciate that time spent in that faraway place out in the middle of nowhere with no other foreigners, or, or were you glad that it was over when it was over?
0: I was glad it was over when it was over, but... Once I started, then I, I started working in a school down in the south where they were used to the foreigner turnover. And so I did miss the relationships I had with those teachers in that city. The city was called Pibun Mangsahan. Thai people don't even know where it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the the teachers- pretty sure it's in TripAdvisor. <laughs> Doubt it. It's not even that known. Um, but uh, the teachers there weren't used to having you know foreigners being recycled every year, every few months, so they really took care of us. They like, taught us some of their dialect of Thai. They would take us out on the weekends because they knew there wasn't a lot for us to do. Like, they were just really caring and took care of us. Then when I went to a new school in the south of Thailand, I would like, try and be nice and meet the teachers and they would just be like, hello, and that was it. Like, no relationship with it nothing like this and it was explained to me well you know you're only going to be here a few months and then you'll probably leave and then someone else will take your place and I was like oh yeah I guess that is how it works here in Thailand okay I was definitely privileged in that first town with those teachers and those relationships but yeah I, I was happy it was over but I do miss the the relationships with those teachers so it's give and take
1: uh, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, they, I guess they wouldn't want to get attached to you, so. Yeah, they're like, why bother heartbreak. if you're going to leave? Yeah. yeah. So you've, remind me again, what all countries have you taught English in?
0: So I've taught in Thailand, in Myanmar, in South Korea, and in Vietnam.
1: Okay, what are some of the differences that you've seen teaching English among those countries?
0: In Thailand, the teachers are very well respected. Um, in the Western world, I feel a lot of the problems that students might have especially with low grades are kind of given to the teacher like this is your fault my student isn't doing well whereas in Thailand the teachers are very uh, held in very high regard and very highly respected in the community so if the student is not doing well it's not the teacher's fault it's the student's fault and the parents bring them in to talk to the teacher the parents apologize they make the students apologize they might bring a gift to say I'm sorry and then they have their student ask what can I do to you know, make my grade better. What can I do to to learn more, to do better in your class? Um, Which is, I feel you don't really get in the Western world. At least it wasn't when I was still in the States. Um, So it's nice to see that. Um, In Korea, I think, I feel Korea really underused what they could have done with Western teachers. Uh, A lot of us were pretty much like DJ push and play. We had like two pages of a book we would teach them in class. But it was all on a CD, so we just put the CD in, press play. The students would fill out their notebooks, and then maybe we'd play a game at the end. So Mm. I felt we were really undervalued there, whereas in Thailand we were held to a much higher regard. Um, Did you just
1: not have control over your lesson plan then in Korea? No, it was just like
0: here's the book, you're going to teach these two pages um, this class, and then I'll teach the next class, and I'll teach them these two pages. So it was very set, but they weren't graded in our class. If the students fell asleep, the teaching assistant would be like, oh, they're just tired, just let them sleep, because they (laughs) would go to school like six and seven days a week. So you'd be like, oh, uh, okay, I'd like to take a nap as well. Is that okay? Can I do that? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, we can all have nap time, I don't mind. Can I have what he's having? Yeah, it's like, I'll, I'll just put my head down as well. So it's, um, yeah, so it just depends on the country and the culture. Korean students are very, very, are worked very hard seven days a week, you know, 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. They're in crazy. school. It's insane. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do, do it. Do
1: the teachers teach seven days a week, too?
0: Uh, no. So it was, the public schools would be Monday to Friday, you end at, like, 4. And then there would be the Hagwon schools, which are, like, I would say, for lack of a better term, they'd be the English centers um, or, like, private tutoring. But it'd be classes for after the public school, and then it'd be weekend classes. Um, and so a lot of foreigners are stuck doing hagwon classes, and they actually teach six days a week. But they don't teach morning, so they teach, they'd teach maybe, like, four weekdays in the evening, and then they teach two, both weekend days. So they'd get, like, one day off, which not really that nice especially (laughs) when you're in a new country like you want to explore the country as well um but then teaching in myanmar i was teaching at an english camp so it was just monday to friday um the students were the students level of english was very very advanced so it was like having fluent conversations with seven-year-olds and you're just like this is not what i'm used to but again it's english camp so they only have it for two months and then they go to their regular school uh, and then teaching in Vietnam, um, they would te- they would students go to school at public school, and then uh, they would if they were planning on going to school for university outside of Vietnam, they would take an IELTS exam, um, which is like an English profinc- proficiency exam, just so that way um, it proves that if they go to a foreign country, if they go to an English-speaking foreign country, they are not a burden on society because of their language skills. They can still study in their... Skill set. They can. They're still be taking English classes, but they can sit in a lecture and not not be lost or confused. They would still understand the lecture. Um, so they would take these proficiency tests. So, therefore, after their public school day, then they would, in the evening, take maybe like a two-hour uh, class at an English center geared towards that test, kind of like an SAT test. Mm-hmm. So, you take like SAT classes. And then the younger students might be taking um, these similar type classes, but geared for younger students, maybe one day on the weekend. Um, so, it really just depend more so on the parents. It wasn't required.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. I guess if they're going to... Pass us with a schedule like that; they can have it <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
0: we'll have our free time. We'll have our two yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, our two days. I'm fine with of being,
1: what? What are we? 30th in education? Exactly, or that's something fine. There? 50th. I
0: mean, I don't know. we get no holiday pay when we're adults, but yeah, give us the two days a weekend. It's fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so I interrupted you in the middle. So that was no Korea, Thailand. Um, what about Myanmar?
0: Myanmar and Vietnam. Yeah. So in Myanmar, yeah, it was just the English camp. Um, so it was. They were just going five days a week, um, but it was really nice because in the Yangon campus, um, they would also have like extracurricular activities like we'd be used to. We'd have like art and music and PE. Same thing. They do PE, movie class. I'm hoping I get to teach the movie class this time around. <laughs> uh, but movie class, music class. Um, I don't think they do an art class, but they do PE uh, with local teachers. Um, so again, it's an English camp, so it's not like a really hard thing it's more just like fun getting them to use to the language Um, they are a little bit wealthier kids because they are paying for this it's not a public school public school system yep.
1: okay. yeah okay vietnam
0: Um, So Vietnam is just it's um, so you can be a public school teacher from Monday to Friday and you're off at like 4 or 5 And then if you're an English Center teacher You either have classes in the morning before the students go to school or you'd have classes in the evening when the students are finished school Um, And adults are also taking these classes as well at the English centers Um, if their English gets better uh, Then their employers most likely give them a raise or if they see that they're taking English classes because the world has become So international then they will give them a little bit of support or give them, you know, a higher salary or promote them even. So those classes would also be in the mornings, and then they'd go to work, or they'd work all day, and then they'd come and have classes with us in the evenings. Okay. So, yep.
1: does, now, pay-wise, are they all pretty similar, or do they? Is there, does it vary pretty widely, or does it just depend completely on what kind of a school you get into?
0: I would say it depends more so... First, it depends on the country because um, it is paid to the cost of living. So for Thailand, you'd get maybe a thousand dollars a month. That's fine because housing is really cheap. Some schools even provide housing. Food, amazingly cheap. Um, in Korea, you get about two thousand dollars a month, um, and cost of living is just a little bit higher. Food's a little bit more expensive. And how my school worked was, I they gave me an apartment, but I paid my rent out of the money they gave me. So then they also gave me a housing stipend. So I got, I guess, a little bit more than $2,000 a month. Um, in Myanmar, since it was an English camp, it was one set price for the whole camp. Okay. Um, and then in Vietnam, if you're a public school teacher, you can start, It's in Vietnam, it's usually an hourly rate. Um, and you can start off with, I want to say, like $19 to $20 an hour if you're a starter. And then it can just go up, uh, especially if you're teaching those IELTS exams, so the, the entrance exams. You can get paid up to 40 or higher dollars an hour, um, oh, wow. which is really fantastic. And the cost of living is similar to Thailand. So you're getting, you know, if you're eating street food, if you're eating like a local, your meals are $1 to $2, 3 $5 if you want a hamburger. <laughs> um, but then, you know, rent is very cheap. It's maybe like $1 to $200 in a shared house. A single apartment can be three, $400 or up a month. Um, and, yeah, it's just you can get more free time I felt in Vietnam because if you work at English centers you'll get like some afternoons free or you'll have your evenings free or you only only work evenings and you have your mornings free um, but then again in Vietnam since it is hourly it's you know you might take a long time lesson planning so if you're lesson planning for four hours you don't get paid for it if you only lesson plan for one hour that's one hour you're not getting paid for um, so it, for English centers it's you get paid for the time you are actually in the classroom
1: Do you, people, when people start looking at countries, if they're interested in studying or teaching English abroad, um, do you think it's more important to look at the financial incentives about how much you get paid, or should they, would you recommend that they pick somewhere that's more interesting to them?
0: Well, when I first started, I, my first place I wanted to go was Korea, because it paid It paid more and so I was like oh I'll go there it's a year I'll get two thousand dollars an hour I'll save money you know all of that Um, and then my friend from high school who had said why don't you try Thailand first because contracts are shorter that way if after five months you don't like it you can leave but if you do like it you can stay on whereas in Korea if you break a contract and you do a midnight run as we call it (laughs) um, they kind of put you on like a do not enter list for a few years so they like flag your visa or they flag your passport and they won't let you back in the country for a few years.
1: And you bring great shame upon your family.
0: Lots of shame (laughs) for your ancestors and your next of kin. And your dog. And your dog. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so I would say look at a place that you're interested in living um, for your personal interest, but a place where maybe the contracts aren't very long. Because a lot of places, if it's a long contract, there's punishments. Um, I have friends that are teaching, I have a friend right now who's teaching in... I think she's teaching in Bahrain, and she signed a two-year contract. And in the contract, it states, like, she, she will not get paid back for visas. She will have to return, you know, the salary that has already been paid to her. And also, since it's part, I believe it's a part of the UAE, I believe. Mm-hmm. But it's connected. So, like, she essentially wouldn't be able to go anywhere else over there because they'd be like, oh, no. She's trying to get a job with you Well, she left us.
1: Oh, yeah. So they share that information. Exactly. That's serious.
0: Yeah. So, you have to be really careful. Yeah. So, yeah, so I would say look for a place with short contracts just to see if you'd like it and have it be a place where maybe you have a slight interest in. Thailand is very easy for many people because you get enough Western life while still being introduced into the rest of the world. You get decent pay. You can live off your pay pretty well. Um, And also, it's Thailand. The food's delicious.
1: Yeah, everybody knows that cow soy and green curry are like two of God's gifts to earth. Exactly. So So
0: why (laughs) wouldn't you try and just eat that for a few months? It's great.
1: Looking back, is there anything that you would have changed about your experience or knowing what you know now or that you'd recommend to someone else? Anything else on top of that?
0: Research the country before you go. I would say look at, read people's blogs that have taught. Lots of teachers abroad have blogs and they'll tell you their experience. A lot of times people will go in like, oh, there's really good money in this country, like I was thinking. There's good money good money in this country, oh, I'll just go there, I'll just suck it out through a year. A year of being unhappy in a country is even worse than a year being unhappy in a job back home because you don't have you know your friends to support you You don't have your family they're far away you have none of that like homey stuff that like when you get out of out of your job that you're like well I'll just go home and sit on my couch and watch my favorite show and pet my dog you don't have that like you're literally like i'm going to a cold apartment where i know no one and i'm unhappy <laughs> so i would say definitely research the country and go someplace that interests you and definitely use people's blogs, use the internet, um, and connect with people that have done it before, especially in different countries, and read what they say, the good and the bad. And don't just read one, read many of them. Um, I think it will definitely help, because not everyone thinks like you. So maybe somebody liked this part of the country, maybe that's something you don't like, like if it's a big trekking country and you don't like to go on treks in your free time, maybe you won't like that country read what other people say about it and see if there's other things offered because it is important also to know about what's offered in your free time to keep your mental well-being healthy as opposed as well as making sure that you do enjoy your job as well
1: that's that's great advice especially yeah. if it is your first time going abroad or doing something like this i think that's absolutely great yep. is uh did you have any favorites um among the countries that you've been teaching at
0: um, I liked each country for its own reason. Do you want to um, plug any? <laughs> I will say I, there is a reason I stayed in Vietnam as, Vietnam as long as I did. I stayed there for almost three years. Um, I mentioned this to you a little bit before we started this. Uh, I think I liked Vietnam so much because of the expat community. Uh, They're all very supportive. Um, If you are trying to, I guess, find your way in the world or want to start a new passion, everyone's very, very supportive. If you want to practice being a DJ because you've never done it before, don't worry. People will come out and listen to you. Even if you're not good, they'll still come. Um, if you want to start for- learn photography, someone there will teach you and you can put on an exhibit and people will support you. It's very supportive. It's also very easy to find good, stable jobs in Vietnam. With that being said, there are also some that are not that good and they might not pay you for a while, so there's plenty of people there that will tell you, no, don't go to this place. Um, and I think... I don't, the, the life in Vietnam is just nice. The culture, the people, the food is good, and also you can kind of live the high life, which is really <laughs> nice. Like I mean, you have your own tailor, you have a cleaner, you have a nail lady. It's pretty nice. Um, so I did really enjoy Vietnam. A lot of it was the people, and the students are just the students are going to school at least where i was because it was all english centers because they wanted to learn english i wasn't in a public school where they're forced to go they were going because they actually cared about the language which i find is very important when you're teaching to to have students that are really engaged
1: very good is there um is there uh shoot i lost my train of thought (laughs) do you do you speak any vietnamese now
0: uh of all i got With it being the country I've lived the longest, it's actually the language I know the least. (laughs) Um, When I first started, I was very into learning the language. And in Thailand, especially in the Isan area I was, I got to learn the local dialect. And it was very forced upon me because no one spoke English. So I can still speak, I can speak Thai more than anything. I can speak some Myanmar speak. Korean was very hard because all of the words are very long. For example, to say hello is <laughs> Haseo. <laughs> that's just my nightmare. That's right just there. to say hello. So I was like, okay, well, I, I can't really help with that. Yeah. Vietnamese is hard. I took lessons in Vietnam, in Vietnam, but it's a tonal language, and unless you have someone to practice with, you can't. It's just really hard. And Vietnamese people really want to practice their English, so even if you speak Vietnamese to them, they they're going to answer you in English to practice their English. So. I wish I knew more than I did, but I know directions, how to order food, how to tell people they're pretty, thank you, <laughs> food is delicious, um, and basic little phrases here and there.
1: Man, it is such a privilege being an English speaker, I have to say. I feel guilty about it, but at the same time, like, it does make it quite nice. It does. <laughs> it does
0: make it a little bit easier. I mean, it gives me a job, so that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yep. Um, you talk about the expat community Mm -hmm. in Vietnam and everyone kind of has like things that they're trying experimenting with do you have anything that you're uh, currently um, inviting everybody over to watch you do Um finger painting or anything
0: well no no finger painting I did um, paint some wine bottles for a while of course you had to come and have the wine with me first and then I would paint it for you um, sounds like a good deal yeah it was pretty <laughs> great deal for me I got some wine um, one thing I did um, so my trip to India uh, was partly for fundraising for a foundation called Cool Earth and it's about saving trees and protecting the rainforest in um, some small tribal areas very big in Peru especially uh, and so part of my trip to India was to help fundraise for that. So one thing I did, and I partnered up with another guy who worked for a nonprofit um, or an NGO, and we hosted a secret rave. Um, so last summer, Hanoi was a little dead, more dead than usual. As a lot of people had gone home for the summer or were traveling, and a lot of the nightlife had like shut down for one reason or another. So people were just getting bored, and it's summer and it's hot. So my friend and I, after a few drinks pictures of sangria the usual Um, we're chatting and I was like oh I need a fundraise and we were like okay well we don't want to do a normal night at uh, the local haunt where everyone does fundraising where you pay five dollars to get in and you have a DJ for the night so common it pulls in money but it's not exciting it's just the only place to go so we decided why don't we just have a rave somewhere he later found out, had just watched a 90s rave documentary in England, so he like, just had raves on the line. So he was like, well, what if we did like a secret rave? And I said, oh, like we wouldn't tell the location or anything until the day of, and he was like, yes. So me and him and two other people um, worked together to make a secret rave. So we uh, didn't do a Facebook invite. Um, we just kind of put up some posters around town. We did a lot of word of mouth. Um, we made a Facebook uh, person. Uh, I won't say um, just in case Facebook finds out who it is and you know it's <laughs> against their standards, but we did make a page. Um, and then we would advertise like, oh, pay attention, you know, a date is coming, a rave is coming, and so on. And uh, fr- we friended our friends on Facebook and our friends knew we were in charge of it, but we tried to keep our identities, not secret, but we didn't want to put it on as like, this is our party, people come. We wanted to, it to be open to everyone. Um, we had, a pr- so it was from, the first DJ started at 8 p.m. and the last one ended at around 6 a.m. Um, all the DJs played for free. We had a 90s theme, so people came and dressed in their 90s gear. We like sold glow sticks. Um, the DJs only played tunes from the 90s, whether it be like American 90s tunes. Um, actual. I love the 90s. Right. Well, everybody does 80s parties, which I love, but 90s was something a little bit different. Um, some people did like. 90s heavy metal and rock. Others did like actual 90s rave music. Um, one of one of the DJs, which I cracked up when it came on, did like a Sesame Street remix from the 90s. Like it was it was fantastic. Um, and then we had uh, one of my friends uh, was partner over a bar, so he provided the bar for the party, um, and he donated uh, his pr- like so much money from each drink that was sold. He donated to us at the door all the tickets that were sold. Um, we rented out a football pitch or like a football field soccer field <laughs> <laughs>
1: you've, that's how you know you've been abroad <laughs> exactly <for a>
0: while. <laughs> so we ran out of football pitch and then the day of everybody bought their tickets we like out a few restaurants around town um, bought their tickets and gave their emails and then the day of at noon we sent email blasts saying this is the directions to the rave, see you at 8 p.m. tonight and then if you need any more information text this number and we had a rave phone number set up they texted us other people texted like where's the location they came it was 200,000 Vietnamese dong um, ahead of time, 300 at the door, which translates to it was $10 ahead of time, $15 at the door. We raised about $1,000, split between uh, two charities. Uh, We also had some surprises. So we had a surprise drag show, Um, a couple of our friends. um, At midnight, we turned the music off. They came out. We had um, one of the local girls who's very well-known singing in Vietnam. she also hosts like a open mic night each week, but so she and her band sang while the guys went around with like buckets of money and people loved it, especially cause they knew who they were. So they were like, we've never seen this person in drag before and donated money. So we had all these different ways to help fundraise. And it's just, if you were to try to do a secret party in the Western world, like in the States, how fast would that get shut down? <laughs> Where are your permits? Where's your licenses? None of that. This was just like, here's some money for the field bars gonna come in they're gonna pay us perfect we have a party
1: and it's so, a yeah. success
0: it was so good and everybody like raved about it um, at the end of the night it was the last DJ and you know the Sun had come up and and the I was telling the DJ keep playing keep playing but my friend dressed in drag was saying turn the music off turn the music off and he was like I didn't know what to do <laughs> um, but then one of the girls that was there had talked to the owner of the football pitch and said if we start cleaning up can we play for 30 more minutes and he's like yeah so he put on we are family and everyone at the rave that was still there as I come up was like picking up their trash and cigarette butts and cleaning up and he complimented us afterwards about how well everything went there was no problems like no fights nothing like that Everybody was respectful he made good profit because he was selling beer Um, everyone cleaned up and he was like if you wanna do this again let us know which is great because When you have a group of foreigners get together for an all-night party, things can go wrong. (laughs) So luckily, we didn't have any problems, and, yeah, we raised a good amount of money for charity. And just the support like that, people are like, we don't even know where this place is going to be, but it's going to be something different. Let's just go. So that's my project I was working on.
1: Was it uh, mostly expats that came then, or did you have a good mix of locals too? I
0: would say it was probably about 80% expats, 20% um, local Vietnamese um, we tried to get some backpackers to come in, but, you know, I guess $15 in your backpacking to do a party you know nothing about. <laughs> yeah. It's too much. Granted, I probably wouldn't have done it either. Um, but, no, we did have about 20 percent of Vietnamese people come, which is nice. I was a lot of friends of Vietnamese, and even people just, like, walking up were like, ooh, what's in there? What's that noise? What's the music? What are those, like, flashing lights? And would come in, and everybody just really enjoyed themselves. And, and people that didn't know that I was one of the organizers um, or that, my friends would hear people talking about it and would be like well you know I know one of the organizers and they would come back and tell us like guys more people are talking about how great it was and so yeah so it's a really good feeling knowing how well it went off and being able to make money for a charity
1: yeah sounds like you got some potential there yeah sounds like a fun fun project
0: it was it was very fun so it's just stuff like that anything you want to do just do it and they'll come out
1: did you uh have anybody like talking shit on the on the project (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> we did have one person complain about the music because Venga boys was played twice.
1: Oh my. OMG.
0: Right. And OMG. I was like, and, and well, somebody had commented like, um, um, they had said, Oh yeah, the music wasn't that good. We were expecting nineties rave. So of course, very politely, we came back with all the advertisements say nineties themes. Um, you know, all the DJs said 90s themes. We gave you clips of what the DJs were putting in their set. Like, everyone knew going in, this yeah. is a 90s themed rave.
1: They so didn't do their research, that's no. all.
0: They were just like, rave, I'm in. So. <laughs> but you get rave music all the time in Hanoi. so it was nice to have something different. Um, and I really like cheesy music like that. It gets everybody dancing up and having fun. Everybody enjoyed it, so, yeah. It
1: what do time. your parents think about all this? What does your family <laughs> think now that you aren't coming back?
0: Um... <laughs> Well, at the beginning, um, every so often, my dad would send me a message. So, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? And I'd be like, no time soon, Dad, no time soon. And he's now changed his tune of, so where are you going next? Where are you going next? And he's always excited to see where I'm going. Um, My mom is just like, "Eh, you're going to do what you're going to do, April. She thinks um, that I'm going to, well, she expects that I'm going to find a a nice foreign man and settle down with him in his country. But the caveat is it has to be a place my parents want to visit. That's what uh, they okay, told me. Okay, there's a catch. Yes. Always. They're like, just make sure it's a place we want to visit. Okay.
1: You told me they didn't. They don't like to travel?
0: They don't, but if it's to a European country or maybe over to the UK, they'd be okay with that. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> as long a as it's just
1: one, one e- direct exactly. flight. Exactly. <laughs> if
0: they don't have to have, you know, a 12-hour layover in Kuala Lumpur to get to Vietnam or Thailand, then they're okay. So, yeah. No, but they, they like that I travel. They really enjoy my adventures. My dad does photography back home, so he always looks forward to my pictures. Um... My sit- brothers and sisters travel as well, so he likes to take our photos and, like, brags about us on his Facebook. <laughs> and it's really nice to see what all of his adult friends – I mean, granted, I'm an adult too, but they're, like, real adults. Um, <laughs> yeah, but they're, nice. they're doing adulting. Exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> nice to see what the, like, adulting adults think about my travels and whatnot, which is really nice. So, But, of course, they'd want me to be back home, but they know that I'm just enjoying my life too much out here, so –
1: that's so cute that yeah. they to see them bragging to all their friends on they Facebook, do. isn't they it? They do.
0: Even my friends are like, Oh, we saw your dad post that picture of you and I'm like, Yeah, that's right. Did you see all the comments from all those other people that I don't <laughs> yeah. even know? They're great.
1: <laughs> he gets more than when I post a picture. <laughs>
0: right. He does actually. My friend and I were talking about it in India. He was talking about a picture my, a picture that my friend posted, and he was like, So April, my um picture from India has a hundred likes. How many does yours have? And I was like, Only ninety? My dad has like a hundred and fifty and he's like <laughs> it's not even a picture of your dad. And I was like, I know, man, I gotta get better friends. <laughs> I
1: know, <laughs> then they come over to my side.
0: <laughs> exactly, it's like, come on, come come be my friends on Facebook, but yeah.
1: <laughs> so. Now the funny thing about it though, is that you, you told me you have like this huge passion for teaching, is that correct?
0: <laughs> oh, yes. That's it's why That's you, why you're Marcus. in it, right? <laughs> I am not a teacher. Um, I guess after six years, I can say I am a teacher. But personally, I don't like teaching. I said I would never be a teacher. I went to a university that was known for teaching, and I studied business instead. And then here I am, six almost six years later, still teaching. Yep.
1: Did you think that you'd be out this long when you started?
0: <laughs> no. When I first started, I thought I would be out for about three to five years. And then last year, when I hit my five-year mark, I was like, no no i'm not going back home i had more to do i got more stuff to see (laughs) um but now i've moved on to um, i'm ready to get back into my industry which is uh, tourism and hospitality so i'm looking at master's programs in europe um and also looking into getting maybe into some tour guiding and starting to work with tour groups and setting up that kind of stuff and getting into the admin part of it um, and being able to like set up shop somewhere and eventually my goal is to own my own event planning company, but that's kind of switched now to own uh, my own, like, touring company, or even it's just, like, a little small one that does, like, local tours, and and I like the idea of Europe and the UK, because it's so big in tourism, mm-hmm. and also I've been living in Asia enough that I'm ready to be back into the Western world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little bit more of an ease of life. So, yeah.
1: Can we delve into that a little bit there? Mm-hmm. And if you're comfortable with that, I'm just curious, you know, like, <laughs> what are the things that you miss, or I guess, what are, like, some of the, the little luxuries that, um, that uh, you know you've been you've been living in asia for six years now so mm-hmm. you think you'd just be you know you know completely asian you know you yeah, uh, like in think and your your ways of eating and mm-hmm. drinking and going to the bathroom and everything like mm-hmm. that but uh you know there's still a part of you that just hasn't hasn't gone away yet can, no. you, can we talk about that part uh
0: yeah so i tend to miss uh, hot showers uh, in the winter. Um, <laughs> that's one thing that I've definitely come to appreciate. Even when I'm traveling, even like now, when I got here, I was like, oh, good, they have hot water. Yeah, it's hot out. I still enjoy my hot showers. Um, that's a big thing. And the, uh, it sounds really silly and really spoiled, but like having aircon and central heating is kind of nice. Um, in Hanoi you wouldn't expect it in the north, but they get very cold winters. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not Idaho cold. <laughs> but they get, we get
1: like thirty seven inches of snow this year. Yeah, okay. We
0: don't get we get snow up in like in the northern part of Vietnam. In Sapa they get a little bit of snow. So that's how cold it can get. But no one has central heating. We have like little space heaters. Um, we're also our walls are made of cement, so it's even colder. And not too many of us foreigners have cars, we all have motorbikes. So we bundle up get on our motorbikes and drive in the cold air so it can be very cold so that kind of stuff I miss Um, also the ease of finding things and one of my friends who lives in Japan actually just posted the status and she posted I get really jealous of the people that think oh I need this they go to the store they find it and then they come home and they finish with their project and I was like I completely understand (laughs) I might be like I need super glue and then I'm like okay where can i find super glue i cannot fix this until i find super glue which means i can't do anything else until i find super glue luckily hanoi does have a where to get hanoi page so people are like where can you find anything essentially but for me i really like dressing up in costumes for festivals and halloween Mm -hmm. so craft making huge painting my wine bottles where would i find stuff where can I find an adult tutu? Oh, I have to go to the tailors. I can't just go and buy it. I have to like wait two or three days for it to be made. So just the, the quickness and the ease of finding things you need, that's something I miss. Um, I would say the food, but I really enjoy foreign food. Like, I like Vietnamese food. I love Thai food. Loved Indian food. Sri Lankan food, not as much as Indian food, but I still really <laughs> like it. Um, but it's just... And also, like, knowing when to get food. And I don't know if you've noticed it here in Sri Lanka, but, like, if you want rice and curry, like, veg, veg rice and curry, you go to some place, two in the afternoon, and are like, nope, we're finished. And you're like, but this is the food of your country. How do you not have it? And are like, oh, no, that's breakfast. And you're like, I just can't have it for lunch or dinner <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's that that is something that gets me it's just like why can't you just serve your food all day that would be really nice <laughs> um i'm trying to think of especially what when
1: the breakfast to me the breakfast just doesn't seem like breakfast it's, food it's not yeah but it's that's just it's me coming from my mm. my perspective <laughs> pancakes and eggs and yeah. bacon
0: and waffles yeah oh i miss all of that yeah. Um I would definitely saw that dreamy look in your I eyes. Know, we did, didn't you? <laughs> you guys can't see it, but <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> it's definitely there. We shared some peanut butter tonight. <laughs> we did, it was fantastic. <laughs> um I would also say, yeah, like getting used to using the toilets in other countries, um, especially in Asian countries, a lot of it's squat toilets. So if you don't know that going into it, you can be like, how do I use this? Why am I <laughs> sitting on my feet? Why is there no toilet paper? What is this squirt gun? over is yeah. Isn't
1: this supposed to go in the kitchen? Yeah. I
0: was like, this is how I wash my dishes. <laughs> oh no. It's the Dude, is this gun. the sink too? <laughs> yeah. It's <like> weird. <laughs> um, but I mean, after a while you do get used to it, but I think the hardest things now, even after being gone for so long is probably still the miscommunication. Um, you know, just not being able to speak the local language, just telling a tuk tuk driver, taxi driver where you want to go and then sending you somewhere else. And you're like, Nope, nope. I definitely know where I needed to go when it yeah. wasn't here. <laughs> um, that's one of the big things for me is just being able to express where where you're trying to go, and then also the timetables of stuff. Back in the states, you know, things run on time. I mean, they don't run like they do in Germany. You know, that's <laughs> Germany. It's no, for it's it. no Germany. No, that's no for sure. German trains. But you know, you are like okay, work starts at this time. If you have a meeting, it's this or class starts at a certain time. Sorry. Here, no, it's like, oh, yeah, the bus is running three hours late. Or, oh, yeah, the train, it might leave early today. Or, oh, no, there's not even a train today. Or you show up and, like, oh, classes are canceled today. Um, It's a, I don't know, the students are having a scouts day, so you don't have class. And you're just like, what? Why didn't you tell me? Like, I could have prepared for this. Or just, (laughs) what do you mean the trains aren't running today? It's it's a train. It's supposed to run every day. So that kind of stuff um, I'm still getting used to. And I think that'll
1: change. The big question is, do you still use toilet paper? <laughs> or do you use the bum gum bum gun?
0: I do use bum gum bum gun a, a lot more gum. frequently. <laughs> bum gum, yeah. <laughs> I do use it a lot more frequently. Um, I still do carry toilet paper with me, but you gotta embrace it. It's yeah. kinda nice. <laughs> yeah, really nice.
1: Do you, I noticed that your thighs are looking pretty solid. I'm assuming that's from all the squatting you've been yep, doing the yep. past six years. But you
0: have to remember, uh, back in the States, girls wear heels, and we do a lot of hug- hovering as well. Uh, that's They're true. nice thighs from hovering over public toilets. Kind of like the same thing. You know,
1: actually, that's funny you say that because so many girls I've talked to that travel, I find out that they don't sit on the normal toilets anyways, you yeah. know, which I think that that's probably actually even harder then squatting mm-hmm. all the way down. It is. Yeah.
0: It is. Because at least squatting, like you're all the way down. You got the support from like the back yeah. of your legs. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's and it's awkward because you're trying not to touch, but mm-hmm. like you're like trying to stick it out far enough that you don't go on the <laughs> seat. So you're like, maybe you're like have one hand back on the wall. You know, it's, it's exactly. you know it's complicated. I and your legs are tried. burning. Yeah. You know, you're doing oh, yeah, tons a research for I've this. So and <laughs> they're like, you sit on the toilet? I'm like, no. No. Why, why would I? Why? Of course not. <laughs> not you don't. Sicko. I definitely don't either. Yeah. It's a. The potty talk's always kind of funny. I remember when I got over to Thailand my first time, and I saw the bum gun, and I was like, what? Yeah. What is this? I can wash my hair, my, <laughs> my, uh, my dishes, and mm-hmm. my butt at the same yep, time. This yep. is great.
0: Well, the worst I had was... Um, I won't say it had to do with the toilet itself, but I was staying in a place in Thailand, um, just for one month, like extended stay, in a place I was teaching while I was like moving to an apartment, and I was like, oh, good, it has a Western shower. The showers are what gets a lot of people, because it's literally just a faucet above your head. Yeah. Um, well, as I've stated before, I really like my hot showers. Um, it's the only thing about my travel is I really always look for try and find a hot shower if I can, um, and I had a hot water kettle. And I realized that it was a shower, but it wasn't a hot shower. And I was like, well, I'm not getting up and taking cold showers every day before I go to work. So the night before, (laughs) I would always heat up the water in the hot water kettle. I'd wake in the morning, reheat it, and then I would take a bucket hot water kettle, cold water shower before (laughs) (laughs) school every day.
1: Ah, such a process. Yeah.
0: And I was just like, like while I was doing it, I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, I want hot water. I'm going to do this. And then looking back, I'm like, Wow. I could have just showered before I went to bed and just been fine. But nope, <laughs> nope. no. Yeah. So you make do with what you have to. Yeah.
1: Do you, so. do you think that you're more resourceful now, though? Like going back in the Western world, do you think you're gonna have a harder time adjusting, or you're just gonna be like fucking MacGyver out there?
0: <laughs> I would say I'm, I'm a lot more resourceful now. Um, I'm more accepting of the fact if I can't find something, I probably don't need it. So that has definitely helped out, especially when packing for traveling. Like, I know I don't need that. It's fine. I can just get it wherever I go. Um, but I've been back twice before. Um, and the last time I was back, I was back for a few months. It was around Christmas time. Well, actually, no, the first time I was back, I was back for only a month. And I had been gone for about a year and a half. My first time back, my friends picked me up from the airport. Straight away, I had them take me to Taco Bell. Like, me <laughs> some Taco Bell.
1: Fiending for it.
0: Right? And then um, then they, like, took me to a baseball game, and I just... You know, as you can tell, I'm very quiet. So I was sitting at the baseball game. Um, It was the Washington Nationals, if you need to know. D.C. all the way. Um, (laughs) And I was holding my ice-cold Bud Light beer. And I was just sitting there, not really saying anything. And my friends were like, what's... what?" my best friend, Leo, was, like, telling everybody, this is my best friend back from Thailand. And I was like, cool, cool. Like, (laughs) calm down. And the rest of my friends were like, are you okay? What's wrong? And I just looked at them, and I said, everyone can understand what I'm saying, and I can understand everyone else's conversations. Also, this beer is still cold, and I've been holding it for five minutes. <laughs> like, this is weird. Like, it hasn't gotten warm. I haven't needed to put ice in it. And again, I hear everyone's conversations. And it's just little things like that. The little reverse culture chalk definitely exists. And this time I've been gone for three years, and I'm a little worried. A little oh, man, overwhelmed. yeah.
1: Yeah. It could be hard going back.
0: Man, I'm going back straight into my brother's wedding, so I'm going to arrive... Maybe, like, one or two days before the wedding. Mm, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're not even having a, co- a good adjustment period.
0: No, I won't. I'll still be jet-locked at the wedding. Yeah. And my family is... That's d- as good
1: as being drunk, though.
0: My family yeah. are drinkers, so it's going to be like I'm double drunk. <laughs> I'll be jet-locked <laughs> and drunk.
1: You'll be passed <laughs> out oh so gosh, fast. Oh, yeah.
0: Ugh. But, well, last time I went back, my friends, I needed, like... I needed medicine for something. I know in the States you need a prescription for everything, but in Asia, you just uh, go to the pharmacy and you say, my throat hurts, and they say, here you go, and they just shove you medicine across the counter. So I was like, oh, I, need, I need the cough traps or something. So I went in, so my friends dropped me off at the pharmacy, whatever we call it in the States, yeah, pharmacy, and I like, walked inside, 30 minutes I came out, and they were like, what took you so long? And I was like, guys, do you know how much stuff is in that store? <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's true. Like, I was just like, why are there so many toys? Toil- like, tish- like um, toothpaste boxes? Like, there's so many different brands. Like, I just sat in an aisle looking at all the toothpaste, and I was just like, oh, my God, I'm never going to find these cough drops. Like, I just couldn't stop looking. It's just <laughs> aisles. Analysis
1: aisles. paralysis. It is.
0: <laughs> and, like, people say it, and people are like, yeah, look at all the cereal boxes you have, like, all the different kinds of cereal. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But if you're not used to seeing it for a while, you come back, and you're just like, oh, this is so overwhelming. Like, you just can't even, like, focus. It's just, it's ridiculous.
1: All the colors and
0: I know, and the bright light. <laughs> yeah. Just the
1: aisles. They're so wide right. and roomy and yeah. the people were zipping around on little carts yeah. doing American shopping.
0: Yeah. And people are actually not like chatting up and telling you their life stories as you sit next to them, at, you know, on the metro line. <laughs> they don't want to be your best friend. Weird. So
1: what do you and your friends talk about when you go back? Is it a lot of just I tell me what you guys talk about.
0: Well, like when we go back, of course, I always want to ask about my adventures, but it's also a little disconnected feeling because unless they've traveled and they've been away for a long time, I can see them just kind of not glaze over, but them kind of just being like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Like they d- don't really understand, like, just the trivial things that I go through day by day um, or like how I make friends so easily like you know like you and I we were just sitting at dinner and you had your nice one liner and I countered <laughs> I'm back I'm glad you appreciate exactly <laughs> like if, if literally if you're in an elevator in the States and you say so how's your day going the person will look at you like why are you talking to me yeah. do I know you you know what I mean <laughs> So I try and see the. Qu- I try and like answer as simply as I can. Not talk too much about my travels. Also, a lot of people will just think I'm bragging, but it's not. It's just that's what my life is right now. Like, yeah, I ran to I went shopping in Bangkok for a weekend because I had to do a visa run. That's like saying like I'm in Virginia and I went down to North Carolina for the afternoon because I wanted ice cream. It's like the same thing. It's just it's on the border, so yeah. since it's a different country, it's a little harder to comprehend. Um, so I usually kind of just focus the questions back to them like and I am curious about them like I want to know about their families a lot of my friends are married now having kids kids going to school and and I'm missing all that so I am excited Mm -hmm. to know but I know they really want to know about me but it's like it's just it's it's hard like I said it's just it's a little disconnect you feel because they're starting families and all that and then I'm still just where am I going next he's my new best friend (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: do you think that sense of bragging or that that feeling that you're bragging comes from the fact that you're so excited about it and about your life and they seem less excited or do you think that uh, you all right yes how should I phrase that do you think that feeling of feeling like you're bragging <clears throat> is coming from your own insecurities or because they actually that you get an impression from them that you sound like you're bragging
0: I would say it's not because I wouldn't say that, I would phrase it in the fact that a lot of my friends have said, I wish I could do what you're doing. And my response is, well, you can. So when I'm telling them about my travels and they've said to me, I wish I could do that, then it feels like I'm just rubbing it into their face like, oh, you can do it, but you're not going to. So let me tell you about all this cool stuff that I've done. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like I, I don't want to make them feel awkward or just make them, like, I don't really want them, Yeah, I want them to be jealous of me, of course. But, you know, but in a nice way. (laughs) Like like any human being. Exactly. But in a nice way, like I want them to be like, wow, like you're doing really cool stuff. You're doing what you want to do. You know, they're doing what they want to do. They want to start a family. They want to be in this career and everything. And I respect that. And like, I would love to be doing this. I would love to have a family myself. But it's just not fitting in for me right now. Um, So I would say, yeah, it's more of just the fact like I don't want them Being envious to the point where they resent that I get to go do all these fun things, or they're in a job maybe they're not happy with, or just them just being like, "Oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that." April's doing it, but I'm not. You know. So it's. I don't know. I don't know if I'm phrasing that right.
1: No, I know what you mean, and the the reason why I ask is because it's something I struggle with, and you know, I often don't know if how to go about it. Because, and to me, I guess what I what I think it comes down to is. perception or misperception mm-hmm. of imbalance and life satisfaction mm-hmm. and which makes me sad because I, I do think that I'm one of those people if I see someone on my Facebook feed or talk to someone catch up with someone and they're telling me about all these things they're accomplishing and all these things they're excited about and stuff I'm, I'm truly genuinely happy for them because I'm happy you know yeah. like they're taking a different path they're finding their way they're happy and I love it I love yeah. to see all my friends and family and you're know, like achieving what they want whatever that may be but I find it seems a lot of times when you get in those conversations that a lot of people aren't, aren't happy. happy, and and so it makes me feel guilty for being happy, and which which I think sucks, you know. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't think I should have to. Yeah. And I'm trying to get better at that, so that's why I like to ask that. Yeah. Um, because you know a lot of the times the conversation goes, you know, like, oh, what have you been up to? It's like, oh, I just got back from backpacking in India, this and that. You know, mm-hmm. and they're like. And like, and they're like, Oh that's awesome. I'm like, Yeah, like what have you been doing? They're like, Oh you're the same old, just working and you know, you got the kid and wife and I'm like, okay. I'm like, well are you I mean, is that good, bad yeah. like, what are you know, and I you know, I I I, tr- I find myself trying to make it interesting for them. Yeah, trying to find things that would yeah. be interesting that they can talk about. Yeah. Where I feel like if they were more happy on their own, then they would just naturally start telling yeah. me things and stuff. And unfortunately sometimes it just turns into like Bitching about someone at work. And I'm like, oh, that's not the, uh, that's no, not I the story I was looking for. Dang it. That's what it is? Yeah. yeah. That backfired. So that's why I like to ask because. Yeah. Um, it's not like a. It makes me feel snooty sometimes thinking yeah. it like, oh, I am so happy, and they're not or because I'm traveling. No, it's not even about the fact that I'm traveling. It's yeah. just the fact that I'm, I'm taking the path
0: that I want. Yeah, I'm doing what interests me and what I want. Yeah, and you can also see it because like when you meet travelers, uh, especially like in this community, the conversations you have, they are just about like, oh, where have you been? What have you been doing? Like we were talking today, and you were like, oh yeah, just came from India, and I was like, oh, yeah, I was there as well. It wasn't like oh, he just came from India. What a brag! I was like, okay, cool. Like, (laughs) you know, it's just, that's where you were? Okay, let's share the stories about it. You know, it's like, or give me advice of where you've been or whatever. But then if you go home and you're like, yeah, so I took a trip to India. And then like, there she goes again. Mm. She went to some country. But it's like, but that's also the last six years of my life. Yeah, If you're going to ask about it, that's what you're going to get
1: there's nothing else I can talk yeah, about yeah it's that like I can do I
0: tell you like when I sat on, on a bus next to someone and they didn't offer their cookies to me because that really hurt my feelings I like, <laughs> I don't I mean it's just, I mean there are definitely ups and downs with traveling um so you can definitely talk about the negative but why do you want to remember the negative like talk about the good yeah. stuff and yeah it's a tough one
1: Yeah, it is stuff. I try, and I try actually, since I'm trying to be visual on all my Mm -hmm. different medias and platforms and stuff, I try to actually show like a more realistic side of travel, Mm -hmm. at least on like Instagram and stuff, because I mean, uh, Instagram stories, Mm -hmm. and even Mm -hmm. like in my YouTube stuff, I I want to give a balanced preview, because otherwise it just seems like more like I'm bragging, and Mm -hmm. it seems like I'm just posting these beautiful pictures, but you know, like I actually thoroughly enjoy the struggles mm-hmm. of traveling it like, makes
0: it so much better it's yes. like this happened but then this made it so much yeah. better
1: and the problem but the problem is even though i find that the i have those low points or quote-unquote low points like i i do relish in them like i have my moments like anybody where like i'm mm-hmm. just like grumpy yeah. you know but i don't like that's not due to travel specifically it's but just, there are like just shitty uncomfortable situations while yeah. traveling and but you know what like Half the time I'm laughing at them anyway, so I find a lot of times it's just about perspectives. Like, yeah, this yes. sucks, but you know what? Yeah. we're just gonna make it work and yeah. we're just gonna laugh at it. And I find, you know, like I just handle. Um, uncomfortable situations a lot better because of my experience traveling. Exactly. And
0: with it. I had a friend um, when he came through Myanmar, which is a place you haven't been yet. I know. Quit telling <laughs> me about it. <laughs> um, but he came through my second time in Myanmar, and he like he I let him crash with me for a few days, whatever. But when he was in Myanmar, he put a spin on travel. He was like, I'm not posting positive things. I'm showing people the negative side. So he <laughs> would his posts were hilarious though. Um, so like one of them would be like he posted a picture of his sock, and he was like, so sometimes when you travel. You lose some of your laundry, so here I have one sock for the next three weeks, and um, I'm gonna either have to buy more or not have socks, and I haven't even seen any socks being sold anytime soon. So, so it's like things like that. Yeah. So, like jokingly, like the negative side. Yeah. But, Somebody said this the other day, and it is very true. And people that don't, people that like just go on holiday. I don't say just go on holiday, but people that go on short holidays or short. Oh, travels. you're so snooty. <laughs> <laughs> May- people that just vacation, they're not travelers. It's <laughs> nice that we don't say vacation, though. We say holiday yeah, or travel. Holiday. Um, that's how you know you've been abroad. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but they don't understand how hard it actually is sometimes and sometimes travel can be a job like it can be like work especially trying to communicate with people or going through like local transport and trying to get from place to place and not speaking the language or even when like a local person wants to have a conversation with you and their English is very broken and you have none of their language skills and it's just like you're just trying to get this thought across or trying to understand and it can be a little bit of a hard work so it can frustrate you and give you a little bit of a headache so it's not always easy sailing granted I mean it's not like a horrible problem to have <laughs> but sometimes it can be wary and for people that are traveling for long terms and for myself included like you have to remember to take those down days so if people say oh what you do today and you would be like oh I just sat on the hammock and read today like why, why don't you go do something? It's like, because yeah. I need a mental day. Like, yeah. I need to let my body rest. You can't be on all the time. And some people think that when you travel, you do have to be doing something all the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you take short holidays, you probably are doing a lot of things at once. But when you have these long stretches like we have, you can take days to just relax and, you know, go somewhere, spend an extra day in your hostel and just go sit on a hammock or just not go anywhere or do anything. So, and that's one thing people don't remember is you still have to make sure you take time for your, your mental health and well-being, and just make sure you're feeling good. Yeah. yeah besides just seeing everything.
1: It's, and yeah. it, I mean, long-term travel can be absolutely exhausting. It can be. I always joke when I go back, I'm like, oh, what are you going to do now? I'm like, oh, I need a vacation. And they're like, <laughs> whatever, you've been on vacation for five months. I'm like, no, it's fucking exhausting. Yes, like, I know exhausting. I need to like, just, just like not do anything for exactly, a little bit, you know, Cause yeah. you're always planning what you're going to. I have to think about what you're going to eat exactly. where you're going to stay where you're going to go next mm-hmm. what you're going to see like okay like this per- and then you're also trying to navigate like the people that you're meeting along the mm-hmm. way and what they want to do and so yep. it's you know it's, it becomes very exhausting and it so you does. do really need yeah. to have those days where mm-hmm. you just stay grounded and stuff yeah so.
0: exactly agreed
1: have you had any friends or family um, acquaintances reach out to you since you've been abroad I'm sure you've you've had to have um and wanna know how they can do it too?
0: I have had it a lot, actually. Um, I've had it, um, I haven't had it with like friend with family too much, more so. Um, Friends of friends, like friends will say, "I know you're traveling. I have a friend who wants to travel. Um, can I you know introduce you guys on Facebook or can I give them your email and ask question and answer questions? Sometimes it will be just, oh i'm coming to whatever country I'm in or y- you've traveled to this country and they need advice, or someone wants to go and teach abroad and do what you're doing um, i've had it a lot, and I love, love helping people. So I'm like, yes, send them over. (laughs) And I always tell the people because I can read the messages and sometimes forget because I will get busy, you know, with travel the day to day. And so I will always say, okay, I'll answer your questions and stuff. If you ask me a question and you don't hear back from me, give me a gentle nudge. And then I'll be like, oh, I forgot to answer you. Okay, here you go. And I have had people be like, nudge, nudge. I'm going to be in this country in a few months. (laughs) Can I get some help? I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot. But no, I do. I tell people my story of how I got started. Um, If they tell me what country they already have an idea of go to, I try and hook them up with friends who are currently in that country or give them, especially if it's like Vietnam, I'll give them some English centers that I know that are hiring or that are good places. So I I love having people out because everyone should travel. Everyone should travel. Even if you don't like it, just try it because you might like it. So I want people to get abroad. So I like to be able to help them do that.
1: In the same way, I have um, had a lot of friends that have never traveled before or tell me like they couldn't live like I am mm-hmm. and stuff, but then they go abroad and they take one trip, you know, in whatever fashion it may be. My first trip abroad was senior year of high school um, on a cruise ship with two other buddies. And that was, like, that was like when I first got that little bit of a hook. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that, uh, you know, seeing some of my friends having taken their first trip and then come back and post these, like, picture statuses about, oh, my God, that was awesome, I want to travel more, like, really just gets me jazzed. Yeah. And I've had certain friends reach out to me specifically. I've seen other people just do it on their own, and now they're out running around the world and stuff, and it's just, it's so rewarding to it's see. It's so great, to yeah. that, and it's a lot of times, like, they were people who were just homebodies, you know? Like, they had no desire, they never really thought about it. Mm-hmm. then they got one opportunity to go abroad, they took that chance, and then all of a sudden they're like, holy shit, that yeah. was fun. It's
0: like, look at all the stuff I can do. Look yeah. at all the like new things I can explore and people I can meet and completely agree. Yeah.
1: How have you evolved since you first took off six years ago to where you are now? Whether it be a teacher, whether it be personally, um, what kind of self-growth have you seen?
0: I didn't actually notice this until I think my trip to India. Um, since I'm not exactly green in my travels, I noticed I... This is on a good and bad thing. When people come up, I can sometimes not recognize that they actually are trying to help. I can be like, no, I know you're trying to scam me. No, no, I don't want where you're selling. Thank you, I'm just gonna keep walking. I can be very short and curt to them, um, which sometimes can be good because, you know, especially if you get like really aggressive tuk-tuk drivers, you know, when you get off the bus and it's midnight and you're like, no, I know where I'm going, no. Because some people can be very pushy, especially sellers. But then again, I could be missing out as well. Um, You know, it could be like a really nice man just being like, I do have an extra room at my hostel. If you want it, it's just right there. And it can be like a really cute hostel. Um, But I will say that I do, I do, I guess, recognize more so when people, when you're traveling in a country that is well-traveled, say Thailand, um, India, a lot of times people will help you. Don't expect that their help will be free. So don't be so surprised if, like, someone's walking down the street and then they're gonna, you know, escort you to all these places. You know, don't be surprised when they're like, and maybe tip. Like, expect it and then be surprised if they don't, is how I would guess to look at it. Um, I would say that's one thing that has changed. I don't know if that's evolved or not, but that's changed. Um, I think my. Awareness of the rest of the world, which is an obvious thing, but I've definitely become more aware of the rest of the world Um, I've kind I'm less in my own bubble than I used to be being in the States You know, I just kind of stuck to oh what's going on? You know in Virginia or in DC or you know even in the rest of the country But you know there's a whole nother world out there Um, and it's definitely expanded my mind Um, I'm much more open to meeting people from other countries. Um, When I first started traveling, especially some accents are a little bit harder to understand. So like I said before, when you meet some local people, sometimes they're trying to get get an idea across and it's just, It can be kind of painful trying to figure out what they're trying to say to you, but just meeting local Westerners as well. um, Sometimes accents are very heavy, and I feel like sometimes I might in the past have been like, oh, I can't understand that person. I'm just gonna try and not talk to them. But now I'm like, (laughs) oh no, talk to me. Yes, I want to hear your accent. Like I want to hear what you have to say. Um, So I guess in that terms, like less judgy, but I don't think I was like overly judgy to begin with. Um, I would say I think I'm less naive. Um, my teaching has definitely developed a lot. It's a lot easier now and I take a lot less planning time. Um, and the thing that has evolved the most is I think before I left the States, um, well, I am still a very social person, but before I left the States, I never really did any alone time. Mm -hmm. Um, I was always living with uh, a roommate or I was at work or, you know, my alone time would be like in my car to and from work. Um, traveling especially traveling solo you pick up friends along the way so you'll have some time social time but then there's other times where it's downtime, and i've become really comfortable being in my shell and i'm also really comfortable with telling people like you know what you go do that i'm gonna do this today we'll meet up later and like being comfortable enough to know no i need my me time um without feeling like i'm offending the other person Um, so i think that's something that's really important is a lot of people don't they are not, I won't say a lot of people, but some people aren't comfortable with their alone time. They're like, oh, if I'm not with someone, like, I don't know how to be by myself. So, like, FOMO. Exactly. Of- and they're like, oh, maybe I should just go But I'm like, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. You guys stay up and party, do whatever you want. I'm going to be in bed. Or, like, it's just, I'm, like, I'm more self-aware about what my body needs, what I need, and I'm comfortable with doing things on my own. And I'm not scared of going place to place on my own. Like today, I got off the bus and then I was like, oh, so the bus driver definitely put me on the wrong bus. Cool, well, I'm just gonna ask this person and they're gonna put me on the right one and I'm not like freaked out or I'm not just gonna be like, will oh, just take a tuk-tuk and pay more money. I'm like, no, I'm gonna get on the bus to, you know, 20 rupees and I'm gonna get going the right way no matter how long it takes. So just more comfortable and figuring things out myself and being more familiar with me and just being comfortable with myself is what I think I've, I've achieved the most with my travel abroad.
1: It's beautiful. Thanks. I like that.
0: Thanks.
1: Yeah. Do you, um, this is something that you to in mind, do you think um, your experiences traveling and meeting other people have been more affected by the fact that you're female or American?
0: female because sometimes i don't say i'm american <laughs>
1: <laughs> you do okay this is interesting i've heard of people putting like canadian fla- americans putting canadian flags okay. on backpack, you know because this is only a
0: reason thing for me um i think of mine um i think it's a little bit of both um i think some of my experiences being american has played a, f- a part of it um especially when i first started traveling and a lot of taxi drivers or local people where are you from i'm like oh i'm from america and they're like oh big money and i'm like it's it's not big money that's why I mean I'm teaching in Asia so I'm not making big money (laughs) like you know I'm a teacher in this town um so stuff like that I think uh, people still think of like the old school uh America where it's like the American dream and you can go over there and start your mom-and-pop company and you know do really well but a lot of people are leaving all of their countries not just the states people are leaving to explore other countries and you know see what the rest of the world has to offer um also being a female has has affected it as well Definitely. Some places I do feel maybe a little less safe than others being a female, mm-hmm. especially due to recent political happenings in the States. <laughs> yeah. It's what are you talking <laughs> about? Definitely made me a little <laughs> bit more aware of how I'm viewed. Um, Have you th-
1: felt a change since that time? Have you felt any negative like that? Yes, and this is
0: why I sometimes don't say I'm American. So normally, when I used to say, oh, I'm from America, they would say, oh, big money, or they'd say, beautiful country, and then they'd always say, Barack Obama, and have this huge big smile, and like, love Barack Obama, talk about Washington, D.C., they don't know where it is, you know, it could be in Alaska for all they knew, but it was fine, they knew him, he put on, you know, he puts on a great face for America, for international people. So since the election happened, <laughs> um, which I actually watched in my time, because in Hanoi it's 12 hours ahead, so I watched it go from zero to all the changings and everything while I like didn't have to teach that day and then was just like... Okay, Mm-hmm. Yeah. so that's what my country is doing now. Uh-huh. <laughs> cool, guys, thanks.
1: I leave it. it all goes to shit. <laughs> and I was like, right, come on,
0: guys. Um, luckily, the nice English people were buying me strong drinks to help me get through that morning. Um, <laughs> but so now um, I have a few times said I'm from America, and the reaction I get is from local people is, oh, uh, new president, like a question. And I'm like, yes. And they're like, oh, and it's another question good president?
1: <laughs> Which is like, <laughs> so did you support him? So or? it's
0: like they're trying to find out, yeah, my views, if yeah. I think he's good or not, but then also like, I'm like maybe? Yeah. To see like how they feel about him. What did you think? Yes, yeah, so it's like one of those things it's like, well, what do you want? where do you want to go eat? No, where do you want to go eat? Like one of those, so it's just like, uh. but I did say to someone one day, I said, they're like, where are you from? And I just didn't want to get into it again, so I was like, Canada. And they were like, oh, beautiful country, and I was like, yes, I'm definitely going to start saying this now. <laughs> it's so
1: much easier. <laughs> and,
0: and it's true. And, it's, and no one actually follows up on Canada questions. Yeah. A few times I've gotten, oh, where in Canada? And I'm like, Ottawa. Yeah. Montreal. I did have one um, taxi driver. I, I think I said Montreal. And he was like, oh, French or English. And I was like, English and he was like oh okay good call on that one yeah <laughs> i was like english and he was like oh snow very cold and i was like yes lots of snow please stop asking yep, me questions I, don't <laughs> know totally what to that. That. I was like he was like oh you just kept saying snow much snow and i was like yes lots of skiing and he was like oh ski is good and i was like yes you can just let me out here now i'm good <laughs> so but i have found like where you're from people do react differently i even saw it when i was in india when i was in india i was traveling with two south africans India's big cricket culture. One of the guys I was traveling with was a cricket journalist. And so we'd go somewhere, and in India, they'd always talk to the men first, if they'd even talk to me. They might like wave by to me when we leave. Um, but they'd talk to the guys, and they'd say, oh, where are you from? And the guys would be, like, oh, South Africa. And then they would just start naming off cricket players. At this point, I should be able to tell you some, but I would just tune about as soon as they say where are you from? Because I knew it. And the guys would start talking to cricket with them. And, and the guys would like, we even got out of having to bribe cops because they started talking about cricket. And then I was just sitting there like, okay, another cricket talk. They're your get out of Exactly, <laughs> they were. And then they turned to me and they'd be like, where are you from? And I'd be like, America. Oh. Okay, have a good day. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So, Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's actually interesting because I'm traveling with Larissa and she's from Argentina, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, she doesn't have the cricket background. But mm-hmm. you know, like when people ask where we're from, they're definitely way more excited that she's from somewhere so exotic, and yes. I'm from America. America, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, it's cool. Like, but yeah, it's it's been done. Yeah, you know, yeah, like or, everybody's or, like, okay, we know that country, or they yeah. just say Trump. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Are we going go to th- are we gonna do this again? Yeah. Which, you know, like I, it's funny because I completely understand. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to always begin those conversations. And also you don't know what their beliefs are. Exactly. And you don't, you know, you don't know what path that's going to mm-hmm. take you down. Um, but it's it's also one of those, I, I have a hard time with it because I'm like, I want to set like this good example. Yeah, you like know, I want to be the redeemer. Yeah. You know, but I'm like, is this my battle to fight? Every I know, With every single every person. Time, one yeah. at a time. Yeah.
0: But, Mm -hmm. yeah
1: it's hard you know it's it's definitely hard too when getting discussions because Idaho where I'm from is a very very conservative state Mm -hmm. and a lot of my friends are very conservative and you know a lot of what's really important to me is, you know, international relations, obviously, because I'm a traveler. same. But, you know, people have different definitions of international relations, I guess, because they want someone strong in there that gets everybody to do what we want, and Mm -hmm. that's, like, having a good president with good international relations. I'm like, no, like, just traveling around, like, you know whether or not you're respected. And to me, being respected is much better than being feared. Yeah. I don't want people to fear our country. Yeah. Just just to
0: see the reactions from when people used to say Barack Obama (sighs) to me to... New president or Trump, like just seeing the change in people, I'm just like, hmm huh, yeah, yeah, that's where I'm from now. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I could, I wasn't home apologetic. at that time. Like I don't know how to tell you, like I wasn't there. But yeah, it's it's for me the same thing in this election was very important. The international travel just be especially being a female who does a lot of solo travel, like I wanna be welcomed in all these countries and if he if if people aren't welcome in our country, what would make me feel I'm going to be welcome in their country? I don't even, with not even explaining that I haven't been in my country for so long, I'm still an American. So if that is the person, whoever it is, Trump or Obama or anybody, if that's a person representing our country, that's who we have essentially picked to represent our country. We all kind of represent that itself, even if it's not who we voted for. But that's how the rest of the world sees us. Yeah. So if they're like, well, if that's a man you picked, you must be like that too. Which is like a shit thing, but I can understand <laughs> that. But I'm like, no, no, it's not me, really, it's not. So,
1: it I doesn't only had one vote. I only had one. I know,
0: it's like, it's just one vote. My state went Hillary. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a tough one, and it's going to be interesting to see how this continually progresses. Um, it does put a little a little more thought into places that I want to travel now. Um, just because now I'm like, now I need to be a little bit more weary of like, okay, has he done anything to offend this country? Like, has oh, he like so true. not let people into this country? Because then how would they feel about letting an American in? You know? Yeah. So now I do have to think about my travel a little bit more, which that's a selfish thing for me. Oh, thanks Trump Now I have to think about <laughs> my travels when, you know, there's tons of other problems going on, but I mean, it's not, but it's all, I mean, it's, it sounds selfish on the
1: surface, mm-hmm. I think, but also it's, it's The reason why you have to think about it is because of how it's affecting the mentality of an entire nation, you know. And so you are thinking about it, how how it's affected them and how it's going to affect you. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's affecting a lot more people. Yeah. Um, so I can, can definitely relate more to that than the being a female part. You, you did say that you've been places that, there's some places that have, you've been more yeah, leery about being a female yeah, traveler. Yeah, I've never
0: felt completely unsafe. I will say that. Um, there's just some places where I've been like... I'm just gonna stick around here tonight or just like I've gotten maybe some like off vibes or just been like, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people said going to India, especially. They were like, you're going India, you're gonna be traveling by yourself. Uh, You know, be careful, the men are really aggressive there. Granted, I was traveling with two South African men. One of them was really tall and looks like a cricket player, so everyone loved him. <laughs> um, but I will say that, e- and I mean, I was traveling with them most of the time. The last week or so I wasn't, but I was traveling with other people. I never really felt unsafe in India either. I mean, granted, New Year's Eve, everyone gets a little crazy, and the men were a little aggressive then. But they weren't. they weren't like... Groping me or like grabbing me where it has happened to other people and other people that I was traveling with in India Had told me that it had happened to them So I felt really lucky in that aspect that I didn't have to deal with that But there's been other places where um, Like I've been walking at night going like from the shop or the restaurant back to my hostel And I've walked a little bit faster than normal just checked behind me a little bit more um, I mean and nothing has happened, but it's just you know being Knowing how vulnerable it is to be a single female traveler like people can easily take advantage of me and I mean I can only fight back so much. You know what I mean? So it's not much I can do against you know a big guy if I'm in his country You know I can't even breach the language barrier if something happens or if I get attacked if I talk to a cop you know the cop would might not understand what I'm saying or, like, might know the guy or, like, you don't know what the situation could be. So I do have to be a little bit, you um, know, a little bit more, not open, a little bit aware of, of my yeah. surroundings. Um, so, yeah.
1: Is there, do you think that being a female is an excuse not to solo travel? Like, no. would you accept that from no. any... Any female?
0: No, um, I can understand your weary. I can not yours. I can understand <laughs> a female's weariness um, and hesitation about it, but I don't think it should stop them. Um, yeah, you're going to be outside of your comfort zone, but you're also going to miss a lot of really cool stuff. I mean, for every time that you hear about something negative happen, there's a million positive things that have happened. And I'm not saying that you know it's all worth it if one bad thing happens to you, but then again, like nothing might happen to you like you just have to you just have to go that you just have to be smart like use your common sense if you feel uncomfortable get out of a situation if you think a place isn't safe don't go there if you are worried about maybe a particular country or part of a country stay away from that place and go somewhere else like there's plenty of ways if you like just grab someone from your hostel and be like hey would you mind walking with me real quick Travelers would be like, yeah, of course, it's fine. Like, I don't mind. Let's go. Like, people, like, tr- in the traveling community, people do look out for each other. So there wouldn't ever be a short of someone, if you felt like you were in danger, especially a female, to, you know, have somebody to, to make you feel a little bit safer. Like so, them. yeah. And with that being said, like, it's funny because... My dad has always worried about me traveling solo. Um, so when I'm traveling by myself, he's always like, "Okay, well, I hope you find some people to travel with." And I remember when I was did so I was in Thailand for a while, but then I did my actual first solo trip where it was just me, and I was doing Lao in Vietnam. And I would met like a friend. I'd met. I was like, "How do people make friends when they travel, like just on buses and stuff?" Yeah, I made a friend like before I even got to the next border, and like I'm still friends with her on Facebook, of course. Um, but I was traveling in Lao, and I said to my dad, he was or my dad had messaged me and was like, oh, are you go like, Are you traveling with anyone I was like, yeah, I met some German on the bus. I'm going to travel with this guy. And he was like, I feel so much safer now. And I was like, you feel safer with me traveling with this weird German man that you've never <laughs> met before that I just met than if I was just traveling by myself. OK, gotcha. He's
1: never seen the Human Centipede. That's why.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah,
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> a disturbing movie. I don't recommend yes. it to anybody. No, it's not very at all.
0: <laughs> <weird>. <laughs> Yeah. So, but I can understand also his sense of like. Well, at least you know someone, April. Like he he knows I like I should have a good judge of character. He's raised me right that if I feel comfortable traveling with this person, I will. If I feel uncomfortable traveling with that person, I'll be like, okay, excuse me, I'm going to go here and say bye. So yeah, just women just need to have common sense. So.
1: Yeah. And it's hard to actually. I mean. Like you said, unless you're going, like, some real off-the-beaten-path mm-hmm. places, like, there's always going to be other travelers, and it's yeah. always easy to have the option of traveling mm-hmm. with someone if you do mm-hmm. feel uncomfortable or linking up. And usually, traveler's not going to turn you away. Yeah. Um, if especially if you're obviously looking like you need some help. Yeah, it's like, I'm <laughs>
0: really comfortable. Like, I really just want to go get food somewhere. Do you mind? Somebody's going to say yes. Yeah. Some.
1: I don't want to keep you up here all night but um, so I have a few like kind of questions to kind of wrap things up okay. but before we get into those I just want to know are there any um, any companies that you would point people towards that you know are reputable or good for getting into teaching English or looking for jobs or ones that you would say stay away from because you've heard really bad experiences um, from other people
0: um, I would say to get into it um, the program I used was um ATI TESL, the American Teaching Institute TESL. That's what I used um, and that company worked out really good. I believe the program has changed where they don't guarantee job placement anymore, but they still do in-class instruction, which is very important because some schools won't hire uh, without that. Um, I would say Dave's ESL Cafe Online is still very good. Um, Anything you look on Dave's ESL, because people can just post on there from my understanding, I would say also like Google search it on another site and see what people review about that. Um, depending on what country you want to be in, there are different job boards. So, for example, in Southeast Asia, uh, so like in Thailand and stuff, they have uh, ajarn.com, which means teacher in Thai. So, dot uh, com is one. Um, for Korea, there's weigook, which means foreigner foreigner.org. Uh, <laughs> so, there's like all these other ones. Um, but essentially, reach out to anybody that you know who has traveled and taught and you'll find someone also you can Facebook search teachers in whatever scenery you want to go to I've even done teachers in Prague and I've got a few pages come up so you can really find it anywhere it's great
1: the wealth of information out there for them.
0: tons tons but definitely always just double check the sources to see if anybody is posting negative things about them and try and find out um, if it's more negative than positive and maybe if it's just one negative review is it maybe it was just a cranky person who just didn't understand what they were getting into.
1: I think at the very least too if if there are negative reviews maybe sometimes it's from misunderstanding a lot of Mm times and so at least it gives you a good idea of what kind of questions you Mm -hmm. should be asking to make sure that you don't end up pissed off like you're in that same boat exactly so.
0: but yeah i think a lot of it is the day and age we live in it's so the information is so readily readily accessible you just have to make sure you research it on your own don't just accept this one blog post you know of, from the company of what a great company <laughs> yeah. they are so
1: their yeah. their handpicked reviews on their website <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> oh they sound like pretty stand-up people yeah, exactly i
0: worked with them for 10 years <laughs> so fantastic yeah <laughs>
1: All right, Well, I have some rapid-fire questions to kind of wrap things up here. Let's start off with what are you looking forward most to going home? Uh, Let me try that again in, like, proper English. Um, (laughs) I am an English teacher. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh, God, that's the pressure. I I can't think of how to do it now. Um, What are you looking forward to doing or eating most when you're going
0: home? Eating is a very good question because I've been thinking about this for the past few days. Um, I've become pescatarian since I've started traveling. Um, And for
1: those of you? Those who aren't uh, aware of what that means?
0: Um, I am vegetarian, but eat seafood. Okay. Yep. So I, seafood,
1: not just fish, then?
0: No, I do I all seafood, especially okay. crabs. Oh, yeah. All mm. right. So I'm sea
1: bugs, Chesapeake, fish, Bay. You
0: know, you got to have my Chesapeake Bay <laughs> crab, my <laughs> Maryland crabs. Um, so there is a specific restaurant called Coastal Flats, and it's in an area called Tyson's Corner in Virginia, but northern Virginia. And they have a seared tuna salad, and the salad salad is huge. Um, It has (laughs) potatoes in it and it has like these just seared slices of tuna and this like nice oil and I've been craving it for days. So that I'm looking forward to eating. Um, Doing, I'm looking forward to seeing my brother get married because he's the baby in the family Um, Uh and the only boy and I haven't met his fiance yet so I'm excited to meet her. Um, And I'm actually just really excited to see my family and connect with them because it has been so long and yes that's a cheesy answer I know also excited to actually just go to a bar and get a well-made cocktail like a nice <laughs> picture of a margarita is what I'm looking forward to
1: any specific cocktail
0: um a Long Island iced tea and there it is yeah <laughs>
1: If you could travel with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and where would you go?
0: I would travel with a woman named Ellen. Um, She's currently in Koh Tao, Thailand, and I will be seeing her in a few weeks. She was one of the first people I met when I was traveling solo. Um, And I actually had kind of met her, and then when I traveled Vietnam in that same trip... One of our mutual friends was like, oh, Ellen's going to be in Vietnam. So I messaged Ellen, and then she met me in one of the cities, and we did all of Vietnam together. We then, a year later, met in Cambodia to travel. I visited her home in uh, Belgium, and we've gone to Oktoberfest together. and. We have a very good travel style together because we don't do everything together. She wants to go to the beach, and I want to go shopping, I'll do that. Um, if we want to eat different stuff for dinner, we'll do that, and it's fine. Neither one of us feels pressured to do whatever, whatever the other person does, and I think that's very important when you're traveling with someone. And also, we just are very social, and we're just very goofy together, which is always really fun. <laughs> yeah. So.
1: Do you prefer traveling solo or with someone else?
0: When I started, I really preferred solo travel after doing it for a few years. I do prefer traveling with someone I'd like to just, I'd like to have a steady companion to be able to share the experiences with. I love having the experiences on my own, but it kind of falters a little when I'm like trying to tell somebody about it, and I'm like, oh yeah, well, you weren't there. Or just just have somebody that I can share that memory with. Right now I'm sharing it with like many, many people, which is fantastic. But I would like to kind of have a steady companion to share multiple memories with.
1: Do you, what are the, um, I guess, what would you say the pros or cons are to each
0: The pros of traveling alone is getting to know yourself, um, being your own schedule, never feeling like you have to do something else to please anyone else, Um, especially when it comes to food. You'll eat when you're hungry. If you're not hungry, you don't feel like you have to eat. If you wanna spend all day in bed, spend all day in bed and you won't feel guilty. The cons is, yeah, I think it's a little bit more expensive. Like, you can't just share a room with someone. Um, There, you can't just talk to someone when you want to. You're gonna be meeting people over and over, so you're gonna have the same conversations over and over, which can get a little bit boring at times. Oh, where are you from? How long have you been traveling? Blah, 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 you know? Like, sometimes you just wanna have a, hey, you remember that restaurant that's really good that has a really good tuna salad uh, at Coastal Flats? Yeah, can you wait till we get home and have it? Like, stuff like that. Um, Or not having to explain, a relationship with like if you're like oh I was talking to my sister the other day oh yeah and then you have to explain like a whole relationship of like what this conversation why it was important you want to talk about it um traveling with people it's just always fun you have a group of people to talk to you can like play card to them you just I know it's just it's more lively um but the cons are you miss out on a lot of fun adventures because the group wants to do this and then you follow the group or locals might not come up to a group of three or four people, but they'll come up to a group of one or two and they'll like take you to like this really cool place over here and show you like you're it's you're more open and available to have these more off and track adventures than if you're with a group of people.
1: Well said. Thanks. Do you collect anything
0: while you travel? Tattoos. <laughs> um, so that's does a mom th- know about here. this? Um, yes. Mom and dad. Okay. Yeah, they do know. Um, I don't even know if they know how many I have, but they do know that I collect them. Um, I essentially I don't have one thing I collect. I do collect things from each country, but it's something that to that country. I do collect currency from each country. Um, but for example, in um, in Vietnam, I have a little small Vietnamese hat. The little Triangle hats they wear, but in Thailand, I'm not going to collect a hat from Thailand. I will get, I don't know, I don't even know what I have from Thailand. Something. I don't know. Um, So, yeah, so I don't really collect one thing from each country, I collect something that represents the country. Um, I will say my family collects more from the countries from the gifts that I give them. (laughs) So they probably have enough to fill a house from all the stuff that they get from me. Um, Also, a mouse just dropped from the ceiling and is running around on the floor. That was weird. This
1: could get interesting. So if you hear screams, that is why. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, But like my dad, I tend to get my dad like a tie from the countries I go to. My mom is from New England in the States, so I usually uh, get her a teapot or some tea from the country. Um, my siblings, they get, I have three siblings, so they all get like the same thing, but a little bit different for the three of them. They don't know that they all have um, tapestries coming from them from India. It's all the same pattern, but different colors. So, yeah, so. Oh, beautiful. Yeah.
1: Um, is What is something that travel has taught you that you wish you'd known your whole life?
0: Hmm... Sitting by yourself and being quiet is okay. Being in a bad mood just because you're in a bad mood is also okay. You're allowed to have those days and you'll get over it. It will pass. Yeah, I think that's it. I like it. Yep.
1: What is the single most important item you travel with that is under $50? <gasps> a
0: notebook. It's always a different one for every country. So I put my little notes and stuff. I put like places to visit, any notes when I meet people. And then at the end, I always have a country or a notebook from that country. Do you journal? Yes and no. Um, I'm kind of trying to get more into it right now. That's that's a project I'm working on is my journaling. I try, I try to, um, I find that when I journal, I'm still in like the beginning stages. So I'm writing about like what I do and not really like how the places make me feel and like why I've enjoyed something more than others. Um, so I'm trying to, um, everybody keeps telling me I should write a book and everything. And I'm like, Oh, I mean, I have lots of fun stories, but I don't know if I've written them down anywhere. So (laughs) yeah.
1: Are there any, uh, specific sources of inspiration that you go to, whether they're blogs, books, movies, um, for travel?
0: Hmm. I guess I would, I don't know. It varies. I don't really say, I do read a lot of books when I travel. Um, so my Kindle is probably one of the most important things that I travel with as well. Um, but I wouldn't say books too much. I would probably say, what, what does make me pick a different country? I think it's just word of mouth. People tell me something, and I'll be like, ooh, what's that place? And i research them and be like, oh, yeah, that's on my list now. So, yeah, I guess just, like, word of mouth from friends and other travelers. Yeah. Maybe, like, TripAdvisor or Lonely Planet if I were to look at certain sites. <laughs> As usual. she rolls her eyes. I know. <laughs> the usual.
1: <laughs> I have to, like, kind of narrate, like, your facial expressions <laughs> because they're great, and no one else is going to be able to appreciate them.
0: I'm very expressive.
1: <laughs> I'm excited for this one because... I haven't had anybody from the United States in a while. Okay. What would you say is a common misconception about people from your country?
0: Ooh, we make a lot of money. (laughs) Huge (laughs) misconception. We make tons of money, and that's why we are traveling abroad.
1: What is something your travel friends know about you that your friends from home don't?
0: Oh, this is a good one. Um, probably right now that I'm pescatarian because I realized just last month my parents didn't even know that I'm pescatarian.
1: Are they going to be able to adjust when you get back?
0: Yeah, my parents know. Oh, also, my friends from back home probably don't know that I don't shower every day now. I can go for like three or four days without showering. And coming from a girl from D.C., a sorority girl from D.C.,
1: Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, what sorority are we in?
0: 80 Pie, first finest forever.
1: <laughs> I always <laughs> love it because it always comes with a slogan afterwards <laughs> without, a, without hesitation. Yep. <laughs> Tell me about a person you've met on your travels who's had a memorable impact on you, good or bad.
0: Um, I would definitely say Ellen, the girl that I would travel with just because, yeah, I just, anytime I travel with someone I, just, I, I try and get the feel of how they travel and just no one, I feel like no one just as travels as well with me as she did or I don't travel as well with anybody else as she has. Um, yeah, so definitely, it still be Ellen. Oh, she'll, she'll love this. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Two more questions. Okay. What, what would you recommend to someone for their first step? Oh, let me try that again. What is the first step you would recommend to someone who is now inspired and wants to start traveling like
0: you? First step is to figure out where do you want to go. Like, figure out what country, and then find someone who's been to that country. And are they going to, well, I don't know, that's a tough one, because does the person want to travel and teach, or they just want to travel?
1: However you want to approach it. Hmm. Someone who, yeah, however you want to approach it. This is an imaginary person, so... You can have whatever dialogue with them you want to. Someone comes to you and they're like, listen, I want to travel. What should I do? Or, you know, I'm scared.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'd probably tell them get certified to teach English. Because then that way, if you are scared and you are worried about running out of money, you can easily pick up work. So I would say get your, it's simple, it's easy, get your teaching certification. Even if you don't want to be a teacher, you can teach them more for a month, make some money, and then keep traveling. Yep.
1: That's probably a good segue, too, because, I mean, a lot of people are worried about the financial Mm -hmm. aspect of travel, and so, like, that completely cuts that out right now, except for, you know, it does take uh, a little bit of an investment up front, Mm -hmm. but it's, when you think about it, it's... Pretty minor,
0: yep. from my understanding. Yeah, it's really not. Um, I also am very lucky. Um, so I know this is rapid fire, but you know. No, I no, said no take as much
1: time as you want. <laughs> rapid fire like I'm trying not to do as many follow up oh, questions. Oh, okay, yeah, so. that's
0: fine. Um, so I am really lucky in the financial aspect. Um, so the money I make is the money I travel with. Um, I don't really ask my parents for money. Um, I will ask my parents to wire me money that I have wired to them. So they don't finance my travel at all. And a lot of my dad's friends on Facebook always ask, like, oh, how do you afford your daughter to do this? And he always says, oh, no, she does this herself. (laughs) Uh Um, But that being said.
1: Does that offend you at all?
0: Sometimes. But I'm like, my dad has four kids. Do you really think he can afford for one of them to travel this much? Come on. But um, it does make me really proud when he's like, no, 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 she does it herself. Like, she, no, like, we don't help her out. But with that being said, I do have a nice little crutch from my best friend back in the States, uh, one of my good girlfriends, Megan, um, who has come to visit me while traveling. She got a passport just to do Europe with me for two weeks before. Um, but she ha- she will loan me money if I need it, and I always pay it back as soon as possible. She even has paid off one of her credit cards and keeps it active only so if I need to do a last-minute flight and I don't have the money right then, I have the information, and I can book it on her card because she knows I'll pay her back because, you know... I- People don't like to borrow money from people, mostly, and I don't either, but she's the only person that I know I will get her the money right back. I will pay the interest for it. I know that she doesn't mind, and I know she has this like emergency card for me if anything happens. Um, so I am lucky in that aspect, that I do have a friend. And it's nice that it's not someone from the family, so I don't feel like the family is always there picking up my weight for me. Yeah. And I haven't needed to use her that much, so that's also very nice.
1: That's an interesting setup, though. I haven't heard anybody else uh, having yeah. a friend like that. That's yeah.
0: great. She also bought my car for me when I left. I love her. She's great. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Big shout-out to her. Yeah. Hey, Megan. <laughs> Hopefully she's at least getting some like point. Mad points or something like that Off the credit card that you use so. Yeah,
0: she does She gets okay. all the points I don't oh, that's take them good. Yeah. She keeps them for herself <laughs>
1: You're helping her hit All those travel bonuses Exactly
0: And then she comes And travels with me Her husband says So when are you going To see April It's been a while Since you've you know, gone on a trip And she's like Oh let me ask her I'll go go somewhere So it works out pretty <laughs> nicely <laughs> Sounds win-win then Yeah it is good um,
1: Okay Final question <laughs> Do I'm you ready. consider yourself lost?
0: Ooh, what a good one um, It depends on the day Um, I, I don't feel like I'm, I feel like, oh, that's a, oh, what a good question. I'm happy it's the last one now. Um, I feel like, internally, I'm not, hmm. Take as much time as you need. Yeah. Physically, I don't think I'm lost. I think I'm just exploring the world and learning. Uh, internally, sometimes I do feel I'm lost as because I don't know what the future holds or I don't know if I'm where I'm supposed to be. But then why would I be here if this isn't where I'm supposed to be? So it depends on the day. Some days I, will, I, am, I feel lost because I don't exactly know where I want to go next and I'm just kind of floating around to see what happens. But in other days, I'm like, no, like I'm enjoying this. This is where I want to be. This is what I want to be doing. So why would I feel lost? So that was way to get around that question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Are you going into politics after this?
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, I am.
1: (laughs) No, that's great. April, I really appreciate you taking some time out of the evening to sit down with us. Hopefully tomorrow we can go out in the tuk-tuk and look at a big rock here. I'll show you how to really drive it. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Now I'm actually nervous because you've actually been in a tuk-tuk rally that I've only been doing this a couple days. I just know you're gonna have some critiques for me, so <laughs> I look we'll forward see. to that. Constructive criticism. <laughs> Constructive, hopefully. of yeah. course. <laughs> now, if uh, anybody is interested, um, I will get your information yes. if you're comfortable with it. So, if anybody has any questions and wants to reach out to you, yeah, of course. Um, if you're comfortable with that, that we'll put that in the show notes and yep. stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, otherwise, I yeah. wish you the best of luck on your Thank travels you. and uh, really enjoy home <laughs> and enjoy seeing the family and and soak it all up.
0: Awesome! Thank you so much. Have a great night, April. All right, <laughs> thanks.